So I put too much in my mouth and I, uh, I had to go to a, I don't know. Yeah. I went to the dentist and they were like, Hey, do you chew tobacco? And I was like, sometimes like, why do you ask? And they're like, well, it's not bad. You don't have mouth cancer, but there's like a little, uh, there's like a pocket that was forming. And I was like, all right, well, what's the solution to that? And they actually say like, if you, because of some of the added chemicals, like, like Copenhagen puts in their shit. If you try stuff like red man, which is like the leaf, it's not as bad for you, you know, pretty horrible advice from a dentist. Yeah. But <laughs> now that I think about it, but, um, uh, but now if I try to do long cut, I just get sick. Yeah. I, I like, is there fiberglass? Is that, I've heard, I've heard that rumor. Fiberglass inside of like the, that's what makes you cut your lid, but I don't know. That's oh, jeez. See, that's what I heard too, but I think it's like an old wife's tale, personally. I've never tried that. I've tried the Zin, but the only time that it like doesn't make me sick to my stomach is if I'm already drinking. So. Oh, sh- and do you gut it? Like, do you swallow it? What? <laughs> the Zin? Yeah. Do you swallow it? Well, well, not the Zin pouch, but like... No, oh, yeah, not the pouch, like but like the your, your saliva. spit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because oh, yeah. yeah, the first time I tried that, I was working at a, at a warehouse, and I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm like stressed out. I can't mm. gut tobacco. So I was going to throw one of those in. And I went on a couple deliveries, and I came back, and just it hit me, and I yeah. puked everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was bad. Ugh. I had to take it out immediately, like the first time, and I was like... I don't understand the appeal. And then I tried it again when I was drinking and it, it felt great. Like it was, I can't even describe what it felt like because I'm so not used to that feeling that it gives you. Um, but yeah, never again. Yeah. Never it's a, it's again. a weird buzz. So I love your shirt, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. This used to be his. No shit. <laughs> At one point that fit me. <laughs> that makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> Yeah, so for people listening on like Spotify and Apple Music, and for the all eight of you that do that, um, yeah. So her boyfriend is, or fiance is off camera, and he's built like a silverback gorilla, and it is shocking to me that this shirt used to fit him. Like yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I want to see him like with it on again, just to. <laughs> yeah, you rip right through it. I bought it at WrestleMania. I went to like a WrestleMania. You went to a WrestleMania? How was that? That is such yeah. like, because I, I loved wrestling when I was a kid. Like I had all like the video games and I played like the Raw versus SmackDown shit. Mm-hmm. But like growing up and looking at it now, I, I have like this weird like appreciation for what they're doing. Because like when you're a kid and you and you tell your friends, "Hey, I like wrestling," it's like, "Oh, it's fake." It's why do you like the fake stuff? And I was like, oh, well, obviously it's fake, but it's like the world's best stuntmen. Yeah, like they're still risking their lives and putting their bodies out there. And like, I don't know. I'm not like a huge wrestling fan. I I never got into it until after we started dating. But yeah, um, like there's a few. Like, do you know who Chris Benoit is? That's a sad story. Yeah, like those yeah. those those types of stories. <laughs> we start out heavy, okay? Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Happy Father's Day uh, <laughs> to the. <laughs> Let's bring that up. <laughs> I'm but, kidding. Like, that's a perfect example of like how it's 
it just completely changed someone's life and their whole their entire family's life so well he was the scary one for sure and then because for people who are listening who don't know about that he basically was on a co- just like every other guy they're on a, just a cocktail of steroids mm-hmm. mix that with more drugs more alcohol stress pain i mean the big thing for them is opiate addictions because again they're risking their bodies they're breaking chairs over each other's heads and they're mm-hmm. you know flying through tables and all this insanity um and he just broke mentally from what i read right is he was like off of way too many pain pills and he went and killed his whole family and killed himself right is that is that the story yeah so, like kind of the newer like kind of thoughts on that is is that his he had like cte his his brain what they said when they did like uh like autopsy on it was that his brain was uh like that of a 70 year old man or something like that and then oh, the encephalopathy that he had, like the shrinkage and like the way that his brain looked, they're like, yeah, he took way too many shots to the head, all that kind of stuff. He, you know, his signature move was that diving headbutt, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he freaking hit that 250, 300 nights a year, and uh, yeah. No shit. Yeah, but I mean, obviously the steroids, the drugs, painkillers, all that stuff, that didn't help, obviously, but uh, what they say now, I mean, we watched his like beat, what was that documentary, Dark Side of the Ring? Yeah. And that's kind of what they were saying. How was that? Because I heard that was super fucked up. It's really sad. But that whole deal. Like, apparently there's an incident with Rick Fre- yeah, Rick Flair in an airplane where he was, like, running around naked and harassing people. I didn't watch that <laughs> one or hear that part of it. But they have a few different Dark Side of the Rings. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple seasons... But Ric Flair was actually in, uh, like, a horrible plane crash or a helicopter crash, something that broke his back. And he was, like, a 300-pound, like, a heavyweight wrestler for a long time. And, like, everyone thinks of Ric Flair now, and he's, like, pretty, like, skinny, lean, like, older dude. But yeah. he was, like, 300 pounds, big old dude, and he had to lose all that weight and all kind of – his back is still messed up from, from that plane crash. Man, that's he had scary. To adapt from all that. And because, like, the, re- the professional residents, how I found about steroids, like, what they could do to you because of um... – uh, Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, that was Chris mm-hmm. Benoit's. That happened like a few years before, mm-hmm. right? That was his best friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and he just had a heart attack, right? Yeah, remember, remember yeah. that right? He had a heart yeah, attack. Yeah, he, it was it was a heart attack, and he was I think like thirty eight years old, forty. He was something really freaking young. Dude. Yeah, super young. Yeah, and just mm-hmm. like I mean, his cousin, I think, or no, his nephew Chavo Guerrero found him, and yeah, like, yeah, and. I mean that story's fucked up too. Like, yeah. All those, all those, like for whatever reason, pro wrestlers have like such travit tragic life, you know. Well, I mean, when you think about it, like what they're doing, uh, again, like the, they're like the world's best stuntmen, but they're on this grand stage, so they're under all this pressure and an uncanny amount of pressure. They're mm-hmm. traveling all over the world. They wrestle like what was it? I think I heard somewhere like two hundred fifty nights out of the year, and like they train harder than most like real athletes mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. um and then there's no health care they're like i don't agree with all of his politics but do you know who john oliver is he does the uh last week tonight he used to be on the daily show he's like a british comedian oh maybe yeah he runs a thing on hbo and he's hyper liberal like super duper liberal and he he did a expose on the wwe and how like the long story short is Vince McMahon treats them terribly. They're all treated as contract workers, but they can only wrestle with WWE. Like they can't go anywhere else without breaking contract and losing money and doing all this crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then now uh, Vince McMahon just stepped down and missed, what, the sexual harassment shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's just, oh, God, that whole thing is just scary to me. Yeah. Vince McMahon is a character, <laughs> to say the least. He's just, I don't know. I feel like everything we watch from him, like that, when he was lift deadlifting a thousand pounds that was bullshit yeah that was because first of all it's a squat machine yeah. right technically oh, yeah. a belt yeah, squat yeah, yeah. and belt squatting yeah the yeah. belt squatting because again for people who haven't seen that it's like you literally have like a weightlifting belt around your waist and it's strapped to this machine that dips down into a um, like a deficit right yeah and you load yeah. the plates on the side and it's supposed mm-hmm. to simulate a squat without putting pressure on your shoulders and your back and then your lower back yeah, is that the whole point no, of it? I, it I felt it the most in my lower back. But that like I oh, so you've used one? Uh, yeah, I've oh my, I'm talking out of my ass then. Okay, so how's it like? <laughs> no, well, I've only used it like twice, and it was so uncomfortable for me that I never like. I mean, technically, it was never in my like program after like two weeks. So, I'm sure if I used it more often, it would be more comfortable for me, but. I think part of the reason is that the one that is at Iron Soul, like, I don't know if I'm too short for it or if I just didn't set it up properly, but it yeah. hurt my lower back so much. Um, well, it's like, from what I saw, it's like dragging you into the ground or at least pulling you into the ground from what it looks like to me anyway. Kind of. Yeah. Well, you do. You definitely have to like brace before you like let it go. Um, and I didn't exactly understand like how far away from it I should be standing. You have to, like, really um, make sure the setup is right yeah. for it to probably feel okay. Yeah. But, is it more of a gimmick, do you think? Like, it's just a new way to do things, but, like, it's not really necessary? I don't know enough about it to, like, say yes or no to that. I know a lot of people use it, so I don't think that it's... I mean, I'm sure there's benefits to it, but, I like I said, I only did it twice, Um and I'm sure I'm going to have to do it again at some point in the future. I'm sure I'm sure that it's going to be incorporated somewhere. So then I'll know a little bit more. Well, because you have a fucking, you have a big meet coming up, right? In yeah. In two weeks, three weeks? Next week, actually. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, man. So, and that's in Nevada, right? Mm-hmm. So what's what's that all about? Because like, like, I saw that bit about you guys on the news. And like, how long has your team been training up for this? Um... For most of us, probably around 16 weeks. That's when I started prepping for it. Um, but one of the coaches at Iron Soul, Myra, she put together a team of all women, women, and I think she's been wanting to do that for a while, um, just get a group of all women and yeah. do a meet together. And I don't know how often these like all women meets happen, but um, the one of the powerlifting federations, the WRPF, they're, they're the ones putting together that meet in uh, Las Vegas. And um, so she pretty much like got people from the gym to see, asked who was interested. And a lot of us, it, it's like 30, I think the total number of us is like 30 women Holy that are going. Shit. So it's a lot of people. I think we're taking up either half or like, close to half of the women there and um this, and is, this is my not to cut you off this is my <laughs> lovely girlfriend sorry hi. everything okay oh, yeah, oh, oh hi missed you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> hi. 
Um, okay, so there's there's thirty of you doing this, mm-hmm. and it's, so the uh, the competition itself is all women. It's mm-hmm. not just like there's a women category; it's all women in its yeah. entirety. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so it's it'll be pretty cool to just be around a bunch of chicks lifting heavy weight. Um, because yeah, the two that I've done before have been um, men and women. So, um, but yeah, all of us are trained by different coaches at the gym. Um, like Myra coaches a good amount of the people that are competing. Um, and there's a few more coaches. So yeah, all of us are pretty exhausted by now. We're just ready to do it. (laughs) I could not even. So what is your training like? Because all I know, the one thing I've trained for in my life, I just lost weight an exuberant amount of weight Mm -hmm. and just had to stick to a diet for about like five months. So what does training look like for you? Um, so when I started out, it was, well, so I did an evaluation with my coach because I had never been like formally coached before. Uh, Jake coached me. Um, but I was, (laughs) I was like swimmingly, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but I was like mostly focusing on just deadlifting at that time. Well, from what I saw on your Instagram, you like, you won a meet, right? You, you placed somewhere at a meet. Um, well, I, yeah, I technically placed, but when you're like one of the only people competing in your category, like your weight class and your age, it can be pretty easy to like win, a. Hey, a win's a win. Or to get a... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I count that as a win. That is a win. Yeah, yeah sure. a win is a win. And I mean, you won like the the night of the living deadlift thing, and then you placed in the in just the, in the deadlift only, right? And then you won your... Yeah. Was it first place in the in that last meet in Farmington? Uh, no. Is that a win as well? They have no. gyms in Farmington? Yeah, they we drove do, out to Farmington. Yeah. <laughs> That's about the only thing that they had. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, was, it was about two that blocks. That and, like, a bar. Yeah, it was about two blocks of, uh, right of buildings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it depends on how you, how you compete in the meet. Because you can literally do, like, there's a deadlift-only category. There's a push-pull, which is bench and deadlift-only. Um, or you could do the full meet, which is squat, bench, deadlift. So, like, um, someone, let's say competing in a full power meet they could win like the overall like best total um like they add up their squat bench deadlift and they have the highest total but maybe their deadlift is they're deadlifting less than someone who's competing in a deadlift only category so like it 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 kind of depends on how you're looking at it i guess um most people will will compete in the whole thing. Like, they'll do a full meet. So that they'll prep for the full meet. So they'll yeah. be um, doing all three of the lifts every week. So, like, when I started, I was doing four days a week. I would have a squat day, a bench day, and a deadlift day, and then a dynamic day where you work on, like, speed, and you do a bunch of, like, um, kind of other... Like, you're using, like, resistance bands or chains or... Um, You might be doing, like, core. Um, I was doing, like, pull-ups on that day. Just stuff like that. And then you have different accessories thrown on each day. So, like, on a deadlift day, I would do, like, my regular deadlift. And then um, you start out doing, like, higher reps. And then you start tapering it down the closer you get to the meet. And you're adding more weight and doing less reps. Right. Yeah. The podcast is brought to you by one of our brand-new sponsors, 
bucked up nutrition. Look, it's no secret that I love going to the gym. Fitness and nutrition is a huge part of my life. And Bucked Up has partnered up with the podcast, help support it. I cannot be more excited. This is one of my favorite P workouts. It's a high stimulant nootropic. I'm hitting PRs today, so I cannot wait to use this. The Banff Black by Bucked Up Nutrition. They've also got, as you can see, some awesome clothing here. Um, I With my t-shirts, I personally prefer the low... Uh, short logo here. Use our promo code at checkout OKPOD20 to get 20% off of awesome clothes, supplements, all their products here to include their stacks. That's OKPOD20, another awesome stringer here for an additional discount at checkout. So d- stuff like, I, I understand the the uh, like the meaning behind using like bands, like the resistance bands, like the deadlifts. Mm-hmm. But, so why do you use chains? And that has never clicked with me. Is it just to look? Because it looks fucking cool. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> you look cool. Um, I actually haven't used chains yet on my deadlift. I've used chains doing lunges, um, like back lunges with dumbbells, and that was to stay like to stable, like be more stabilized, I guess, and to focus on like staying upright and not like leaning too far forward or. Because it really mm. makes you focus on like huh. being balanced. Because um, if you're just like regular, if you're just um, uh, lunging regularly, a lot of people will just have like they might like go from side to side, or like they might be leaning too far forward or back. Oh no, I've I've definitely like lunged around the gym like Gumby a couple times for yeah. sure, but I've never <laughs> never thought about using chains. That's funny. Yeah, uh, people start incorporating resistance bands and chains. So, like, resistance bands I know a little bit more about because I do those almost every week at this point. But um, it's too... So some people might be weak at the bottom of a movement, like, specifically talking about deadlifts. Like, some people might be weak at the bottom, and some people might be weak with locking it out. Like, they have no problem getting it off the floor, but when they, when it gets to that, like, middle point and you're and you're needing to bring it all the way up, they might struggle with that. Um, with with deadlifting in the sumo stance, it's more common for people to have a harder time getting it off the ground. So, like, my coach saw that I was, like, not getting it off the ground fast. And so that's um, – I think that's one of the reasons he had me doing resistance on there. Um, and just to get – like, when you're practicing with resistance bands with lower weight, you're trying to get it up fast. So – if you're practicing fast with a resistance band on top of that, then when you do it without the resistance band... It's just going to shoot right up. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. So, um, But chains, yeah, I haven't gotten to do that. <laughs> Chain, chains is the same idea. It's yeah. like the more of the chain that's on the ground, like when you start a deadlift, all the chains are going to be on the ground. So there's no weight at the bottom. But as you lift it up... Although it's just incremental. Weight, it's, yeah, it's as accommod- it's, accommodating huh. resistance is what they call it. So there's like more weight as you move the bar up. So when you're locking out, there's the most weight. People use them for, for squat and bench as well, I think. But mm-hmm. I think deadlift is kind of where like most of the chain would be on the ground and that's kind of the right. idea to fix your lockout or whatever. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Ashley. I never thought of it that way. Huh. So, okay, that was going to be one of my questions. So when you're deadlifting, are you doing like a standard stance or are you doing a sumo pull? Or does it matter what you do? Like, yeah. is there regulations <laughs> on like... Because, I mean, it would make more sense to do sumo, right? Because your range of motion is cutting, like, like, kind of like a third of it off. Well, that's what a lot of people think, and that's why a lot of people say that sumo is cheating. <laughs> Haters. <laughs> Haters. I don't I've never said that. I've never I said know. That. 
he pulls conventional, but a lot of people think it's cheating because they it looks like the range of motion is a lot shorter. But it um, it really just depends on your um, your like measurements and your like someone could have really long arms and like a really short torso or really short legs. Um, but we were just watching a video. I forgot what that guy's name is, but he he did like an experiment where he had a bunch of different. Um, different heights of people with different uh, like arm lengths and torso lengths and leg lengths um, lift the same amount of weight sumo and conventional and um, it really just depended on the person whether they had a shorter range of motion or not because some of the some of those people had a shorter range of motion lifting conventional so um, hmm. yeah it it kind of depends but yeah, the short answer is it's cheating. Oh, come on. <laughs> it is not cheating. I've tried pulling sumo, and I think it's freaking, I think it's hard. It's, it's weird. It's, I tried doing that hard. this morning, actually. I was like, huh, I have a little extra time on my, before I have to go, to, yeah, before I have to get into an appointment, I'm going to try it out, and I just scarred up my shins. I'm like, oh, this, this is not yeah. fun. I just went right back to conventional, because that was not fun. I think, I think it's difficult. I think there's a lot more technique involved. I think when you're conventional deadlifting, like, the way I do it, I can kind of just fucking like try to just brute force it up with a conventional. But if you yeah. try to do that with sumo, like I've tried to do it with sumo because I'm like I thought I had the same thought process. Like, oh, it should be way easier because you know less range of motion, and it's it's really not. You have to know how to like move your body in that in that way, and I can't I can't do it. Like honestly, I've tried, can't well, do it. Well, not only that, I feel there's a lot more flexibility involved with sumo. Oh, for sure. Because, like, I always, if I do more than, like, three reps on sumo, just my inner thighs just are on fire. My inner thighs and my hamstrings, they just want to give out. Yeah, it definitely, um, you, I, I make sure that I warm up, like, before deadlifting every time. If I just went into it, like, without trying to open up my hips and like which is what i did yeah <laughs> i and i do this thing where i just like stand and i like bring it, bring around, it town. around town yes. <laughs> and then you could do like leg leg swings and then you could do different um like stretches on the ground where you're like opening up your hips more but yeah if you're not used to it it'll, it'll definitely be harder but if you actually if you practice that maybe you'll find out that that's what you prefer and some people can lift heavier. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, cause like I, I posted a video of me deadlifting. My buddy actually texted me like, dude, you're doing it all wrong. And he, and he taught me like better like foot stance and it's, mm-hmm. gi- it's giving me more like drive to get it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I do s- stretch before my workouts. Like I'll do like leg swings or like this hip abductor movement I saw on mm-hmm. YouTube. But like, that's something I definitely need to work on because I just do it to make myself feel good. I'm like, yeah, you yeah. stretched. Good job. You you did the thing. You checked yeah. the box. Um, how long have you been powerlifting for? Like, when did you like? When did that like click in your head? Like, yeah, I'm gonna try this out. Um. Well, I don't think it started out as like I want to powerlift. I think it just started out as I like this deadlifting thing. <laughs> Let's just keep doing this. <laughs> um, but. Maybe a little over, like definitely over a year, a year probably and a two, half. Probably two years, maybe, yeah. that you've been like deadlifting. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And then um, I did, the meet that I did in January, um, like right before then, I hadn't really been practicing squat or bench. And maybe like two months before the meet in January is when I started. Because that's when I was riding her like 
writing her program and I have no experience doing anything like that. No formal training at all, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just kind of like had her do what I normally do. And and that's (laughs) basically all just like deadlifting and whatnot, you know, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I think, I think is over two years. I know it's like the quarantine is kind of like when like we really started lifting because we kind of started on this together, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I think it's like over quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, we were working out. We lived in Colorado at the time, and um, his sister has she runs a gym out of her house. Well, she's okay. She's a dietitian and like a strength coach, so so she's like a legitimate. Um, she has like uh, credentials. Yeah, credentials. She wasn't just like running a sketchy like personal <laughs> training thing. I didn't mean to make it sound that way, but like when you say out of your garage, it like there's more to it. Like she, her, and her husband like completely converted it to like an actual gym like they had the gym like the the black flooring in there um they have like rogue squat racks they had all sorts of really good equipment so they really they really switched it up in there and uh so we started in there and then we got really used to working out at home yeah and so it was really hard to get back into working out in a regular gym uh just being around people again yeah mm-hmm. well you're a lot more free at your house oh, you, yeah. you can do whatever you want yep. you can i mean that's i mean personally that's why i like going to legion so much is there's hardly like and i don't mean this in like a, a poor way but like there's hardly ever anyone there mm-hmm. not a lot of people go so it's pretty much a personal garage gym that's like five minutes away so i totally fucking get that yeah like the less people I, yeah i agree it's the cr- more crowded the gym is the more like anxious i feel and yeah the less likely it is that you're gonna like be able to get to whatever piece of equipment that you want as fast as you want to so <laughs> so no but that's that's like a real thing that a lot not a lot of people acknowledge um at least openly it's like gym anxiety like that's a mm-hmm. real fucking thing for a lot of people mm-hmm. um and then I, I was actually talking to garrett about it we talked about it a couple times and it's weird. He's talked to people about like, you know, he's basically trying to find out ways like make Legion better to do this, that, and the other with it. Mm-hmm. And some people like actually love crowded gyms and that makes no sense to me. That's right. Weird. Yeah. They like, yeah, they want to go, go to a place where it's like, how, how, what was the analogy he used? It's like, have you ever seen American psycho? I have I seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sweet. So, because they don't go to the restaurants because they have good food, they go to the restaurants because they're be upscale seen. and to be to be seen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's that same mindset with these people who want to go lift, not like to make themselves. Obviously, they're gonna make themselves like, like give themselves a better body and like be more healthy. Mm-hmm. But they're doing it for like Instagram and they're doing it for Twitter and they're doing mm-hmm. it just to be seen and be that person in the Lululemon and whatever uh, Gymshark shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's like there's people out there who legitimately like they want the rush of like I got the last bench, I got the last bench, or like <laughs> it's so fucking That's strange to me. That does... Like I went to a uh, I love talking shit about this gym. I went to a Define Fitness. Oh. <laughs> um, I went to the one up up in the, like like re- the Rio Bravo area. It's like Central and whatever, mm. like oh. Central Ninety Eighth. Yeah, you know, like up there. And uh, I went there with my buddies, and it was packed to the brim, first mm-hmm. of all, right? Absolutely packed. And the guy who uh, was at the front at the front desk, he's like, all right, well, since it's your first time here, it's free. But if you want to come back, a day passes $25. Outrageous. 
That is insane. Yeah. Like $20, $25 for an hour? That's a month at Iron Soul, I'm pretty sure. Or at least like 30 bucks is there. Like that's a month yes. anywhere, really. Yeah. Like 25 bucks, mm. 30 bucks. Like that should yeah. get you a month somewhere. Well, you know? when I was going to Define, it was like 45 a month or something. But what was your yeah. like? What was your startup fees, though? Yeah, it's like oh. 150 <laughs> bucks just to, and then you have to sign a, what, a one-year contract or mm-hmm. something crazy. It's I remember yeah. it being like insane. Because mm-hmm. I was, I was just telling Jamie how I used to work out at Planet Fitness. Like that was the first gym. Yeah. I couldn't afford anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like that was it. I was like ten bucks a month, like as a broke college kid. You know. What yeah. I mean? And then when I signed up for Defined or whatever, it was like nine day. But yeah, like if if you, it sucks because if you only have a, sh- a little bit of money, like and you're kind of limited on options, and you go to Planet Fitness, like that's gonna mm-hmm. stunt your your you know whatever you're trying to do. You're lifting. Like you're not gonna be able to get anything done at Planet Fitness. You know. Well, see, yeah. I like Planet Fitness as like what they could be. It's cheap. Yeah. It's it's motivational, right? It's very accepting. Mm-hmm. But then when they say, you know, uh, all body types are accepted. This is a judgment free zone. But then they have their fucking lunk alarm. Yeah. Like I remember, <laughs> oh, I was visiting. I was visiting family like three years ago. I think three and a half years ago in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And the only gym I had access to that I could get into um, around there was a Planet Fitness because they live yeah. in like a super small town. And um, I just like I dropped a dumbbell, like a little thirty pounder. I just I just dropped it. Um, I didn't even mean to. I just like put it down, and the yeah. thing went off. I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck?" It's like they make it worse. Like if someone's annoyed by the weights dropping, that's like one thing. But then they have to be like, oh, they dropped the weights. Well, and then, but they say it's like, oh, we're here to make you better and we're here to get you healthier. And they have pizza night or they have like free donut Tuesdays. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, yeah. They could totally put that money towards like something else. Well, Anything else? Yeah, anything. Quite else. literally. Like they've, they've kind of phased out, though, huh? Like I don't, I don't. I remember they used to be popping up everywhere, like a, like old Hobby Lobbies and shit. Yeah. Like used to be becoming Planet Fitnesses and whatnot. I think that they're kind of getting phased out. I don't know. It seems like maybe I don't know. It's just like I mean, I you're totally right about like it. It could be something great because like I think fitness and and strength training should be accessible to everybody. Like it sucks that. Um, some places just have like a super expensive membership but also like businesses need to be able to stay afloat too and like retain their members and stuff and like fix things when they need to or like expand when they need to like so i i don't know anything about like the business side of gyms but oh no me neither but i mean if you have an idea i guess like stick to it Mm -hmm. you know because there's enough there's enough pressures out there what with social media and just every, like, just honestly, just social media because everything's social media now. I was gonna say YouTube, but that's pretty much a social media platform. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier now more than ever to find these what used what were twenty thirty years ago. They're just the guys you, or the guys and girls you'd see in like the bodybuilding magazines. Now you can potentially have one on one conversations with them. You can mm-hmm. comment on those pictures that would be in the. In the magazines, right? In the mm-hmm. little Jane Fonda videos or whatever came out back in the 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all, like, a lot of it's great. Like, I, there's a lot of fitness people that I thoroughly enjoy, but, like, mm-hmm. a lot of just a super toxic culture. Yeah. And, I, and like, I never realized, like, how bad it was until I got into it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I have some friends like that, and then like meeting Garrett and his girlfriend and finding out like their side of things, mm-hmm. and then even like doing the competition here in New Mexico, like that shit was like not to be that guy because like mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say this because I fucking lost and have any credibility, <laughs> but like that shit was so rigged, like it it's insane how rigged like and it's and it's like just that organization too, like I think they uh, the more like I dug into it, and then my buddy who coached me. He's been bodybuilding for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's still natural, no matter how much I poke and prod at him. He's still natural. Mm-hmm. And he just competed in Florida under the same competition. And they almost kicked him out because they don't drug test. They polygraph you. Oh, I remember hearing you say that. Yeah. yeah that's weird. Yeah. So, that's insane. Yeah, they polygraph you. Is and that s- cheaper? That's intense. <laughs> than a drug it can't test. be. It can't. Well, actually, I don't know. Drug testing has to be pretty expensive to pay yeah. for. It, it de- well, if you're testing, you have to do a very specific panel if you're testing for anabolics. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can get expensive for sure. But, I mean, okay, so here's, here's a great example. I technically started TRT the week before I competed. The podcast is brought to you today by OrganicPriceBooks.com. I love comic books. That is absolutely no secret to any of my friends, family, or listeners. And right here is just some of the comics that I have either bought or gotten sent to me by the fine folks over at Organic Price Books. As you can tell, they have a wide selection from DC, Independent, Marvel, and they have become the number one spot for everything omnibus, oversized hardcover, or just general collected editions. No matter what you want, they've got it. Go to their website and at checkout, use our promo code, just my name, Noah, N-O-A-H, to get additional discounts on top of what they already offer, which ranges anywhere from 30 to 50% off. OrganicPriceBooks.com, use my promo code, Noah, N-O-A-H, and start reading comics today. So, technically, I had one shot of testosterone in my body when I went to the polygraph. And I completely spaced on it, to be frank. And I just sat down to the polygraph, and the guy was like, have you ever had um, artificial testosterone or anabolic steroids ingested or injected into your body? And I was like, nope. And I passed the polygraph. Flying star. So you beat it. Yeah. You beat the polygraph. Oh, yeah. But and then it was funny because like one of the questions they asked was, um, have you ever lied to stay home from work? Everyone's done that. <laughs> That's not fair. Yeah. Every, but, but I said no, and I still passed. No, I have not. Because <laughs> yeah, like, I remember I was sitting there and I was just staring at the wall and I was like, no. And then I realized I lied and I was like, <sighs> oh. <laughs> but anyway, so my buddy, he, they, like the minute he walked in the room, because this dude's at like, I don't know how the hell he did it. Honestly, he's at like 4% body fat. He is shredded to the gills. Like mm-hmm. me and my, couple of my other friends, we were looking at him. We were like, dude, are you okay? Filled, we, filled out of his tree. Yeah. <laughs> we thought he was going to like go down a couple yeah. of times because he's posting on Instagram all the time. And I guess he walked in there and the guy just started hammering him. Like a me, like you're on steroids. What are you taking? Tell me what you're taking. I'm not even going to polygraph you. Like, what are you taking? He's just like accusing him and not yeah. even asking. Yeah. And this guy is super well articulate. He's very well spoken, but English is his second language. And sometimes when he gets nervous, the English isn't his best. And so he's like, no, like, what the fuck are you talking about? So he sat down. The first time they did it, it came back neutral. So my theory is that because they went back, retested him, and it came back like, okay, we'll we'll let him compete. But I think the polygraph guys went to the judges, and they're like, hey, fucking contestant, contestant 69, 
Uh, he, <laughs> he, uh, his, he, he tested neutral at first. He's not natural. And he showed me the pictures of the other competitors. And he was like, cause the first, the one, the guy who won first place was super conditioned. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, my, my buddy had beaten him, but they were awarding conditioning. And when my friend went to go ask like, Hey, like what could I have done better? What did I get? Like, what did I not do right to not even place? Because they were giving trophies to top five. Mm-hmm. And there was eight of them. So he's like, what the fuck did I not do? Mm-hmm. And they're like, you need to be bigger. Try again next time. Literally, like, verbatim. You need to be bigger. Try again next time. So, yeah, that shit is like... And that's what kind of, like, attracts me more to powerlifting, like, as an mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. is like, you, I don't think... That, you can't really debate that. If you lift more than this guy, you win. That yeah. is... The whole appeal, yeah. Yeah. Because you can't, like, if you lift something, like, and you're lifting it in front of three judges who are telling you whether you lifted it correctly or not, and they and they give you a lift, like, because you can get a lift or a no lift. There's three judges. If two of them uh, pass the lift, like, they give you a white light, then you have the lift. If two of them give you a red, then you didn't get it. But if you're fucking, if you get that and they give you the white lights, like no one can tell you that you didn't do it. Like they can critique your form and say whatever they want, but like you lifted the weight. And even if you're just at the gym, like at at your house or at wherever you go and you get that weight up, like you got the weight up. Yeah. And like no one can say that you didn't. Like, and there's... There's things that you can fix with form and whatnot, um, but like there's no there's no contesting that. So so, so what what does what defines a no lift? I've actually I've actually never heard of that. So can you like lift yeah. it improperly or? Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> oh shit. Which, Have you had experience with that? I do a lot of improper lifting. <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of rules. Yeah. What, what, like, depth on squat is, like, a big one, <clears throat> you know? Yeah, so, like, with squat, um, and, again, this is something that's that can depend from federation to federation. Um, so you kind of have to, like, educate yourself on their rules and whatnot because each one will have their own rule book. It gets very, very nerdy. But, um, <laughs> like, so, yeah, for squats, if you're not hitting depth, which a lot of federations will say that your hip crease has to be below your knees, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah. So you have to break like the 90 degree plane. Yeah. Um, Interesting. If, if you don't get to that depth, then it's not low enough. Um, and then there's, and then with bench, like one of the um, main things is like if you, okay, and there's, there's commands too. So if you don't, if you don't lift the weights when they say to, or if you lift them before they say that you can, that's also a no lift. Oh, fuck off. So- yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck off. I'm sorry. I decide when the weight gets that's off my all, body. That's what I'm saying. It happened to me what, twice in the same freaking beat. They, I unracked it and just started squatting, and he was all squat. Like When I was like already down, I was like, oh, I fucked that up. And then I just racked it, and he was all racked Like after I racked it. And they were like, you ought to follow commands. Like, okay, my bad. That was my fault. Yeah, you literally... You have yeah, to, yeah okay. you have to wait for them to say, like, you know... What do they say for bench? Bench. And they then say start. Start. So you have it up here. Yeah. You have it unwrapped, and they say start, and you bring it down to your... To right here, and then you have to... You have to keep it there. It's a paused bench. It's not just, like, down up. 
you have to keep it there, pause it, and then when they say um, bench, bench right? or they say press, and you press. press it up, and then you have to wait until they say rack before you fucking rack it. Listen, half the help I get from my bench max is breaking my sternum. <laughs> okay, if I, and if I don't get that in a competition, what's the point? That's so stupid. Yeah, that is so stupid. It definitely, it definitely like, I don't know. It definitely like takes a lot of uh, a lot of weight off of your bench when you have to. Uh, like pause, pause it like that yeah. yeah it takes a lot of weight so it's not like you can't really like ego lift your freaking bench like i like to do you know you have to really <laughs> pause it and then freaking go and it takes you know 40 pounds off of like what i can bench normally <laughs> you know what i mean and it's i don't if know your, it's, if your ass intense. comes off of the bench yeah there's literally a judge when you're benching he's down on one knee <laughs> looking at the fucking looking at your ass to make sure it doesn't come off the bench and then um, with deadlifting, I feel like so many things could go wrong with that. Like if you ramp it, which means like you're kind of pulling it up your thighs, they'll call oh, yeah. you on that. Um, if at any point, if the bar goes like down and up and then down again or like vice versa, like up, down, up, like it's not a straight bar path, they'll call you on that. Um, if you don't lock it out all the way, like if you have soft soft knees is what they call it and you're kind of just like you're kind of just right here and you don't have it all the way like your shoulders need to come back they'll call you on that and then if you drop the weight if you oh if you drop the weight weight, you have to show control through the entire movement is the whole thing so if you get the weight up and you are so excited and you just fucking drop it you won't get the lift i think i think they'll they'll give you a warning right or will they just tell you yeah, I guess I that it, they it might does give depend. You Some poor bastard pulls like 700 pounds. Oh, he dropped it. Do it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do it again, tough guy. Exactly. <laughs> think you're so cool slamming yeah. your weight. Do it again. Badass. Yeah. yeah, and they'll like they'll announce when you're going for a record too. So imagine the judges being like, all right, we have John Smith about to break a world record. And then he gets it up and they're like, ah. Bro, you can't drop it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you slammed your weights in a deadlift. Oh, rookie mistake. Yeah, like, and I can't. I don't. I only have competed in the USPA, so it can depend on the judge that, that happens to be judging that day. Because there's a head judge, and then there's two other judges. It can depend on the federation and their rules. So there's like so many different factors. But um. So when you're training and when you're prepping for these things, you have to like train with those things in mind and just try to have as much control as possible and like just be as present as possible and and like when people are critiquing you, you just have to keep that in mind and like not let it destroy your confidence. Yeah. And those, <laughs> those, those judges are they're all like nice people, dude. They're just doing it out of love for the game, you know what I mean? Yeah, like they're not getting sure. paid or anything. Like I don't I don't think and if they are, it's not much money, you know? So they're just there to, like, especially, like, local meets, they're kind of just there, yeah. you know, to, like, help help lifters, help new lifters and stuff. Yeah. But I'm sure once you get to, like, national or worlds and stuff, it, it gets pretty serious. Like, mm-hmm. they, they take it very serious. And they really encourage you to, like, if they gave you a red light, they really encourage you to, like, go to the judge that gave you that light and ask what you were doing so that next time, like, if you're on your first or second attempt, that you don't do what they called you on or what you like if you have soft knees yeah then you and it's it's really cool because when you're when you're lifting you have all these people like cheering for you and like just like screaming and um 
so like and they're all watching you so if if they see that you're like not locking something out they're gonna be like lock it out lock it out so it's like it's cool because you're getting that feedback like while you're in the middle of the lift too so it's all very supportive yeah you know oh that's awesome yeah that's awesome i it it was and that's another thing that kind of like not like made me mad but it kind of like put me off about when i went to went to go compete uh for my thing they uh when we got done, because my coach was telling me, he's like, hey, man, like, whether you fucking place first or last, go to the judges, same exact thing, like, get a uh, critique, figure mm-hmm. out, like, what you did right, what you did wrong, so if you want to do this again, you can know what to work on. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. So, we all, were all backstage, and literally, like, they weren't like, hey, so, like, good job, you can go do this, that, and the other, or, like, whatever's going on. Damn. Um, literally, like, in the middle of them giving first, second, and third their places, everyone else that was back there, so including my sorry ass, mm-hmm. right? We're all back there, and they were like, all right, y'all can go home if you want. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know that. Like, I can leave with I can do what I want. I get yeah, that. Yeah. But I was like, but then I was like, uh, oh, okay. And I, like, I pulled up my phone. I'm like, what the fuck, already? So I put my phone back down, and I was like, hey, um, are we able to speak to the judges? And they're like, yeah, but you'd have to wait till the whole thing is over. I don't think you want to do that, right? And I was like, <laughs> no, I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I've, I've <laughs> had no experience in bodybuilding or anything like that, but it just seems also subjective and like, I don't know. It, it just, it like that whole, the whole like bodybuilding culture, I think the sport of bodybuilding is freaking like awesome. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's badass. But I don't know. There's something about it, like in the, especially like local levels and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like perpetuating like a, like unhealthy living like in, in oh general, it is unhealthy in, in general like i think bodybuilding kind of perpetuates an unhealthy kind oh. of uh, lifestyle where it's supposed to be like about health and about fitness and all that stuff but it's not not really it's like well we, we're taking oh. all these steroids we're not we're starving ourselves you know dehydrating ourselves to look a certain way and like i said like respect because that's extremely hard to do i'll probably like i'll never do that you know what i mean i'll never be able to do that starve myself down to four percent body fat you know and even just standing on stage in front of a shit ton of people is that takes a lot of that takes a lot to do that, you know. So it's funny you bring that last part up because you complete you hit the nail on the head. It is not healthy. It is not fun. It, and well, I I in a weird way I enjoyed prep. It became a very sadistic game. Um, but being on stage, maybe just because the lights were so blinding or like, well, for one, for whatever reason, I couldn't focus. Like, I knew what I was doing, and I knew, like, what I was doing. Like, whether, like, the, like obviously I knew, like, why I was there, and, like, I was posing and, like, following the commands of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't focus. I had no idea why. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the lights were so bright, I couldn't see shit. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, because we were down at the, the chemo theater, and, uh, yeah, I was, couldn't see shit. And the weirdest thing, too, is, like... I couldn't, like, I could hear the, I was only focusing, like, on the command, because there were people, like, yelling and cheering, and my, my, my poor buddy who coached me, he was yelling at me for what to do, and I was trying to pay attention to him, but, like, it was weird, like, how deafening it was. Mm-hmm. Very strange moment, like, out-of-body experience. Very strange. But, yeah, no, that's, um, it is a misconception, like, that's why, why I would almost prefer, if I were to ever compete again, to try powerlifting than bodybuilding, because with bodybuilding, that was, like, the last month was I started out at 1,200 calories a day. And the last nine days, 10 or nine days, was 1,000. 
that's like that's, that's insane that it is insane for a grown so... man to be eating a thousand calories a day is just insane even for a grown woman anybody eating that is, is yeah. Yeah. anyone over the age of 12 yeah like exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly that's yeah that's insane yeah, it sucked. Um, so what? What is your? Do you keep a diet for powerlifting? Because I mean, the conception with powerlifting is you eat, you eat a whole pizza, you go yeah. deadlift, you do three reps, you take a nap, you go home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, that meme is true. Like half true the some, none yeah. of the none of the nutrition and half the reps. Of <laughs> Just kidding. No. I think it really depends on the person and that's the that's like the cool part too because like if someone wants to be um super on top of their eating and um like let's say I don't know count macros or follow a specific diet um then I think they could totally do that and also power lift um and there's some people who are in power lifting pow, power lifting that came from bodybuilding so they're like they're used to that like nutritional restriction and just like keeping track of everything that they eat in a day and they can also power lift. So it's just, I think it's just about making sure you have enough food. Um, but as far as like a diet, I don't really follow anything specific. I used to be a vegetarian and I started eating meat last year and I feel m much better than when I was a vegetarian. Um, it's just so much easier to get protein in and stuff, but um, I don't know. Like, I don't count macros. I don't really count calories. <laughs> um, but I kind of just eat intuitively, I guess. Like, if I'm craving pizza, I'm going to have pizza. I just won't overdo it. Like, I'm right. not going to eat until I am in pain. You're or about like, to burst. Yeah. And so, and I know that some people have, like, a problem with that. Like, um, just, like, the hunger signals and whatnot. Um, but I think... Just over the last few years, I've gotten better about listening to my body. And I don't want to be all like, oh, listen to your body. <laughs> but like, no, that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, that, that's some real shit. Um, but yeah, I think my biggest advice or just like something that I'm terrible at is not drinking water. I probably have like this amount of water in a day. Like this diet, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> worth it's bad. I always, I always tell her, any, anytime she has anything like, oh, I have a headache, drink water. Like, what? <laughs> you know like, what I mean? Oh my God. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. So that's definitely something that I want to get better at. Um, but I don't know. I don't necessarily feel that I need to change things up. Maybe like eat more vegetables um, just to get in more like micronutrients. But like I take vitamins every day. Um, I try to incorporate protein into every meal that I eat, and I eat like three times a day. So, yeah. but like I'll eat cheese when I want to. I'll. Now Jamie's a really good a, eater. I have a she, big sweet tooth. You're she's, she's smart. She keeps on top of it. <laughs> like honestly, like I've seen you the way she eats, and she's like way smarter than I am. I'm kind of like the the gorge yourself type of dude. Who's like <laughs> eat until it hurts. Be like enchiladas, fucking pizza, all that shit. I literally had a fucking huge plate of enchiladas. Like for it was for Father's Day. And me and her get home. I forget what we were watching. And yeah, I, I just, I'm trying to get myself back into eating right and like, mm. like eating like a normal person and not just stuffing my face. Well, I stuffed my face and I had to like lay over on my side like a pregnant woman because I was just like, oh. Were you sweating? Oh. Yeah. I was like, oh no. Yeah. I mean, in like specific occasions, like 
totally like if and if if someone's making you food like that's a completely different thing too like food tastes so much better when someone else makes it for you especially someone who like really enjoys cooking like his dad for example is a great cook like and when we get to see him he'll make really good food for us so I'll definitely like eat as much of it as I can but like on a day-to-day basis I don't I just try to like eat till I'm satiated and then like also timing things around workouts too that's another big thing it's like if you know you're gonna be like lifting heavy make sure that you um have a few meals in you I can't eat right before lifting which a lot of people can do I don't understand that but like um I have to wait at least like an hour and a half we could go get back in the swimming pool Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) that rule (laughs) but um I don't know. Bodybuilding seem I don't know much about it, but it just seems so interesting. And I feel like to be good at it, you have to be, well, this goes for a lot of things, but I feel like you have to become very obsessive about it. Like it has to be your life. Like if you're really trying to go far with it, um, and just kind of like plan everything around your like training and eating and make sure that you, like, if you're going to be out of town, like make sure you have your meals with you and like you have like a super long checklist of everything you need to do. Yeah. That was the hardest part was revolving my life around this one thing and because i love doing it but it was like i'm sacrificing so many other things i'm having to schedule um like exactly you just said i just schedule my entire life around this one thing mm-hmm. and um when it was all said and done like i'm glad i did the experience and like that I, I know now that i can like lose a ton of weight or that i can stick to one thing and be that disciplined mm-hmm. god at the end of it, it was not worth it it was, yeah, it was not. Not even to, like, see that you that you could do that with your body? Well, that, and, like, that, know that you can. Well, that was cool to know. Like I said, it was cool to know that I had that discipline inside of me. And, like, it, it was neat. Don't get me wrong. Like, looking in the mirror and seeing a six-pack. Like, that's fun. Mm-hmm. But then also seeing a six-pack and then your stomach growls like crazy. And you're like, oh, that's why I'm shredded. Because I'm not eating. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so silly. <laughs> um, you know? And like like a treat for me when it was like in the like when i was knuckle deep in it was like rice cakes and shit like that oh my oh yeah like like i never realized like because you might your taste buds when you're like in a deficit like that for so long your taste buds are so sensitive so like um like chocolate uh what's it called chocolate rice cakes or Mm. um like the caramel ones those were like candy yeah, those actually are pretty good. Oh, I mean, they're yeah. good, but, but like... But they're not, like, a piece of it was, cake or something. Yeah, it might as well have been. Like, yeah. it was insane. Yeah. Or, like, because um, people make fun of me for saying this, but it's it's legitimately good. Whenever I were to make my eggs, my coach was, like, he told me the whole prep. I didn't do it. It's, like, a, maybe a month and a half of it was about to be finished. He's, like, make your plate of eggs and put sriracha and mustard and mix it up. It's really good. And I was, like... Mm, maybe not that sounds horrible no it tastes amazing even like post prep it, it's like spicy mustard mm. it tastes really fucking good oh yeah and both of those are like low calorie zero calorie zero calorie okay zero calories it's just sodium but i mean mm-hmm. that doesn't really matter um that's crazy that your meat is one week away how do you feel uh i'm pretty i'm nervous but i'm also ready to get it over with yeah because <laughs> then like then for maybe like a week or something, I can just do do other things. Like, cause my the program is like the same workouts every week. 
so it's cool because like that's how you can progressively overload and just and get stronger and get more efficient with the movements but also like i miss uh just doing random things whenever i feel like it because like that's how it was when i was just working out in our garage like if i felt like doing pull-ups or like doing something weird or like something off program like I could do it if I felt like it or like I really like to run um I really like and I was I used to play soccer too and I kind of had to stop doing that because I just noticed um just like the running and the pivoting that you do in soccer just like it really wears your knees down and like I kind of had to choose between that and powerlifting because I was like I can't do both of these and like be good at be good at powerlifting that's what I want to do so huh yeah um but yeah I want to like get on my rollerblades and like or like go play volleyball or just like do something active that's like not powerlifting and I think we all feel that way right now really (laughs) so yeah um so yeah this this meet isn't like a qualifier for a national meet though so in august um i'm gonna do another local meet just so i can qualify for a national meet no shit with the uspa so what are your what are your numbers right now um so in in the last meet i squatted 231 I benched 99. That sounds gross. <laughs> and I deadlifted uh, 297. And I had a third attempt where I was Oh, I'm sorry. For... You deadlifted 297? Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> well, she deadlifted, what, 305? Was it that your last attempt and they didn't count? No, it, it was 303. Like but yeah, they said I was uh, ramping, ramping, I think. Yeah, I was like using my thighs too much. And if you don't mind me asking, what do you, what's your body weight at? Um, so I'm 119 right now, but I'll cut down to 114. Fuck, and you were deadlifting 300 pounds? Jesus Just about, Christ. almost. <laughs> I mean, Fuck! She's a beast. She's technically, a beast, I've lifted 305 in the gym, but, like, it was a very, I don't know. I So, like, with deadlifting, I round my back, like, crazy. And so I'm really trying to unlearn that, which has been really hard to do, just, like, trying to improve my form. And I feel like... I've improved the most, like, weight. Like, I've, I I feel like I can squat and bench heavier than I did before, but my deadlift has kind of just, like, stayed the same because I think I'm just working more on form with that one. Um, But, like, my max on bench is 125, and so far it's it's 235 with squats, but I know know that I can lift more. I've I've been trying to get her to bench a plate for... For like three weeks now. Come on, max out with me. Max out. Let's let's do a let's do a plate today. You know. But that's the other. She has to stick to the program. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is if like if you feel like it's a good day and you like want to max out or you you're like you feel that confidence, you you kind of can't. Like you have to stick to what your coach gives you. Why? And like trust the process. Because like this, I'm, I'm all for that. Like literally trust the process. Like I, I remind myself that like three times a week. Yeah. So I totally get that. But like if you're feeling it, why not? I mean, maybe for like more experienced lifters or like someone who's been with a coach for years. But since this is my like very first program with a coach, um, I'm like being very adherent to everything he's giving me. Cause he's like he's like a legend too. Like he he's been. He's been a coach for, like, several years, but he's been um, coaching powerlifting specifically for, like, the last seven years. So, like, he knows his shit. And, yeah. like, um, 
I just want to see how this goes pretty much. And then maybe in the future, like as I continue to work with him, I could be like, Hey, what if I try <laughs> maxing out today? Like I feel really good, but I, I just didn't want to mess anything up. Like if let's say I did try benching a play this close to competition and then like I couldn't bench like, and then I, I felt like weak come meet day. Like, I, I don't know. It's all mental too. It is. There are yeah. a lot of mental. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll get me being so close. Maybe not maxing out's a good idea. Um, yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. That's those are still crazy numbers, though. Like, don't let yourself <laughs> lose sight of that. Like that that is crazy shit. Like there are people in general who can't do a pull up. They can't do a push up. They can't fucking, um, let alone deadlift, bench, or squat their own body weight. Let alone almost double it. I mean, I'm, I'm not great at math, but you're deadlifting almost double your body weight. Closing in on a triple triple body weight, right? That's kind of like the goal for for deadlifts. Yeah. I mean, three. What would be your triple body weight? Like? Oh wait, yeah, half of 300 three hundred is one fifty. Wow, three. I'm so stupid. I know. I was like, whoa, how much do you think I weigh? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Like three fifty or so would be like triple your three, body weight. Yeah, it's like three forty something. Yeah. yeah. So um, so yeah, let's say you're doing roughly yeah two and a half times two and three quarter times your body weight. Yeah. That is nuts. <laughs> Like, just being able to do that, I feel like you're in the top, like, 10 percentile of the country. Um, you know what I mean? I because, mean, as like, far as, like, if you're counting people who don't. Like, yeah, if you're counting everyone. Like, just population-wise, like, yeah. Geez. Yeah, everyone over the age yeah. of 18. If you just count that as, like, are you athletic or do you fucking do nothing with your life and you sit on the couch. <laughs> He's like, hey, if whatever makes you happy, it makes you happy. But, I mean, you yeah. reap what you sow. Oh, for sure. You yeah. know what I mean? Health-wise, you, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to do all that shit, don't lose sight of that. That's fucking cool. Thanks. That is fucking cool. Thanks. Um, it's, it's very exciting. I just want to be able to do it as long as I can. If I yeah. could be like 70 and still be lifting, like that's the goal. Well, how, how old is the oldest person on your team? I thought I saw somebody like in their late 40s. I think there's someone in their 50s on our team. Um, but There's all age groups, all body types. That's what's cool about powerlifting, yeah. dude. It's just like... it's, it's As long as you get the weight people. up. Yeah, exactly. It's just about lifting. And it's not even about like... It's really not about like the competition so much. It's just like just doing it, really. Like win, lose, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Just fucking like showing up and lifting weights. I think, yeah. I think that's kind of like at the end of the day, kind of like what like powerlifting is, you know? Just showing up and doing like what you can, you know what I mean? Yeah, like no, I agree. as heavy as you can, and that, that's what's so cool about it, you know? I agree completely. Just showing up is more than half the battle. Yeah, and then like at the end of the day, it's just one of those things where it's like you versus yourself. Because like technically you can go into it lifting as a team. Like if you have several people from the same gym going, and they do like team awards too. Oh, that's neat. But like... You're just trying to outlift yourself. Yeah. Essentially. Like yeah, hitting hit PRs. PR. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's very like individual, but it's also very um like there's a huge community of support that comes with that, I think. I guess depending on the gym that you go to, but like um like I have a friend that lives out in Seattle and they have a really sick gym and they're just like they did a meet recently for Pride, I think, and, like, they had a bunch of people deadlifting out there, and, like, the amount of people that they had from what I saw in the pictures just, like, there to support and, like, the amount of people that were lifting, it was just so cool. So I think that powerlifting specifically has that type of community that comes with it, but, um, and maybe CrossFit, too. Like, there's a lot of 
different sports, I guess, that have that. But this is what I know, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we're going to take a short break. I'm going to go get glasses so we're not drinking out of these half pints like we're uh, a bunch of Neanderthals. I have no problem with that. <laughs> do your thing. <laughs> well, I take mine over ice. Uh, do you want ice? Sure. Okay. I'll be right back. Oof. Do you have a restroom, actually? Yes. Yes, I'm using to make sure my chick's not in the shower. Hey, sweetheart. (laughs) That was a thousand. Yeah, so it's back here. That was a thousand. Happy late birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 25, halfway to 30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's a good way to come back into it. Yeah, I'll Sorry. be I'll be 30 in five years. <gasps> Fuck. No, no uh, pressure. <laughs> God, that's scary. Do you think about that? Does, does the... Uh, yeah, let's not talk about that. I'm just kidding. Does, does death scare you? Um, yeah. The fact that all this ends at one point? Yeah, I don't think I'm scared of death. I'm just scared of... Uh, I didn't mean to pour all of that in there. It's <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just scared of what comes after. Cheers. Death. Cheers. Yeah. Have you seen that movie, Big Fish? Okay, you were like the fifth person in the last month to tell me to watch that fucking movie. Really? Oh, you never seen it? Maybe no. you guys should watch it tonight, like What's after it? you watch The Boys. What's it about? Because every person that's told me about it, I was like, yeah, you should watch Big Fish. That's a movie you need to watch. I'm like, what's it about? And like, don't worry about it. Go watch it. I'm like, there you go. Just stick with that. Just stick with that. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, just stick with that. It's a, it's yeah. a Tim Burton movie, but it's a... It's not. It's not like a Tim Burton movie. I had no idea he directed it, and I was yeah. I told Jamie the same thing. I was like, I've I've heard about this movie, but I have no idea what it's about. You want to check it out? And watch Is it, it with Ewan McGregor? I think uh, so. Isn't he the main character? I'm not good with. I don't know him too well. Obi Wan. If, if it is the main. Oh. Is that? <laughs> He's also in Train Spotting. Yes. That's a that's a callback. Yeah, oh, Train Spotting. Oh my god. Fuck, I haven't seen he's, that in a yes, long time. He, is, he looks in, so different in Train Spotting though. Um. But I yeah, just go into it ex- not expecting anything, and I think that you'll just be get your mind blown. Yeah, and maybe have like an existential crisis afterward, <laughs> and I don't know if you're a crier, but. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just it was like to, that, dude. We did not yeah. expect that at all, huh? I, I literally wanted to call everyone I loved and be like, hey, <laughs> I love you. If anything, 
ever I mean, happens, please just know that I, I sent out some text stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, are you, are you guys okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is something going to happen? <laughs> but yeah, definitely watch that. What worries you about after all of this? Um, I think that I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to like continue the relationships that I have now. Um, especially like you think about your parents passing away or like, like I think about my mom and, um, like just it, like if she dies before me, which is the usual way things go, unless like you die young as a child, um, like I'm already scared about not having her while I'm still alive. But then I also worry about like, after I die, is it just black is it just darkness? Do you even have like a consciousness? And if you do have a consciousness in the same way that like we have one now, like, are you alone? Like, is there anyone there with you? Do you get to see the people that you knew in this life? Cause like, if I were to, everyone has like different ideas of heaven, but I guess mine would be like being able to be with my family and friends that I love after I die and being able to like continue to have some type of consciousness with them. Um, cause like when I was a Christian, I, I never really worried about that sort of thing. You're just like, at least I was just like so certain that there was a heaven and that like, if I did everything right, like in my life, um, that I was expected to as a Christian, um, that I was going to be there. And then, like, if the people that I loved accepted Jesus as their savior, <laughs> then they would be there too. Yeah. And, like, y- you just, like, go on with that perspective for a little while. So, like, I-, I feel like I never really had a chance to be scared of death because I just thought that, like, I was so certain about what I would experience after um, but now that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turned you away from it, if you don't mind me asking. Was so it like a... I was, say, I was about to say, well, because like, because me, I grew up in a very Christian household and I had religion just absolutely, like people say shoved down. It was pile-drived down my throat. Like really? it was shoveled. Like my upbringing, my parents divorced when I was um, about four-ish, three, four years old. Mm-hmm. And so I spent most of my time at my mom's house. Um, after the age of seven, I spent all of it at my mom's house. And she, uh, very generic Christian white lady. Like the mm-hmm. most generic stereotype. It was Harry Potter's of the devil. Ozzy Osbourne uh, eats animals and he's a Satanist. Um, you like when it came to like music I would listen to, she checked like all the lyrics. I couldn't play like rated in video games. It was, you know, all this stuff. Oh my God. Would she like open up the CD and like read the, Oh, it was worse Oh, because, because we, she had a Mac, right? So then we had like the beta versions of like iTunes and shit. Oh. So if there was a song that I wanted to download or whatever, uh, or an album, she would go on Google and look up all the lyrics for every song. Like on the, and I remember, I remember when I was a kid, uh, my dad got me, uh, I think it was my dad who got me in, or maybe it was another relative. They got me Death Magnetic by Metallica. Oh. Right. Great album. Well, she decided to crack that baby open, and that's back when the CD still had the lyrics in the um, in the pamphlet, or it was mm-hmm. called the booklet. Mm-hmm. And the only song she let me listen on my iPod, like let me put on my iPod, was the instrumental. 
And the, <laughs> and 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 the, if if you remember anything about that album, the instrumental is called "Suicide and Redemption." So I remember listening to that as a kid and thinking, so I, I get it's violence and I get there's like drugs on this album. There's no cussing, but like it's, there's just like mature themes. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But why is the song "Suicide and Redemption" okay? Just because it's a lot of loud noise, you know? Yeah. Um, but the reason I bring all this up is like I see like every which way that. Like, specifically Christianity, that's what my background is in, where, like, that can turn so many people away. Mm-hmm. And, like, whether it's, like, and, and, and 100 in my opinion, 100% of that is from people either portraying it wrong or they're just taking it to a, like, an absolute extreme. Like, yeah. you, I mean, obviously, it's all like the Westboro Baptist Church, and they aren't Christians, right? They're just very hateful supremacists. Mm-hmm. But, like, people who just, like, condemn. It's like, oh, if you're gay, you're going to hell. If mm-hmm. you take the Lord's name in vain, you're going to hell. You, you, you know, you do X, Y, and Z. You're, I mean, you've heard it. Yeah. I'm sure. <clears throat> so was it stuff like that, or was it just like one big thing where you're like, you know what, this is kind of bullshit. I'm not going to play this game anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably like a little bit of both. Like, I, I definitely agree that the the reason people end up leaving the church is has to do a lot with the way that they were treated because like everyone's gonna remember the way that someone made them feel and so like um and it's different from church to church because you could have like two non-denominational like protestant technically but like non like if like two non-denominational because i think calvary technically is like non-denominational yeah and so is legacy how do you think they make so much money they have to be non-denominational. yeah yeah right come on now <laughs> it's a business yeah so like if you look at those two churches because those are probably the two largest churches here next to Sagebrush. I was going to say, Sagebrush is up there somewhere. Yeah. Um, like, there's going to be some differences in the way that they teach things. Like, because I used to go, because I used to go to Legacy, and I was heavily involved there for years. And every once in a while, I would go to, like, a, a Calvary um, service. And I actually really, like, I really liked Skip because it felt a lot more like I was in a class yeah and like he was a professor and he would go line by line with the bible and like go into like the history of like the word that was being used yeah and like skip the shit yeah Yeah. and so like that was kind of like he's one of my goals is <laughs> seriously like he's one of my goals to sit yeah. down with him eventually that's like the five-year plan but like he's probably someone that could talk to anybody and like that's definitely the vibe that i got from him but like the church that I went to, it, it was more, like, big theme, like, types of teachings. Like, there'd be a lot of, like, one-liners that he would, like, throw out in the sermon. Yeah. And so a lot of people um, were drawn by that type of, like, message. Yeah. Um, and so, like, from church to church, it's going to be different. And then, like, they can even teach things differently to where, like, the way that you believe or, like, the way that the Bible is interpreted is different. Like, so... Even going from, like, two similar types of churches, like, comparing those two, there can be so many differences in what people believe. So, um, like, the church that I went to, if you didn't believe that, like, the Bible was the inerrant word of God, then, like, there was a... They didn't like that. Like, you yeah. had, you had to believe... Right. Yeah. 
You had to believe that. Okay, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. Give me yeah. two seconds. I okay. don't know why that camera just turned off. Oh. Oh, no. Is I know better? why. Because, again, we're. Uh, do you need the microwave, sweetheart? Because, <laughs> <laughs> again, we're Joe Rogan, but not with the $100 million. I forgot to plug in the camera and unplug the, the microwave. Oh, darn. <laughs> yeah, but it's just my camera. So, uh, there's there's hundreds of hours where people can see my ugly face. <laughs> and we're still rolling, too. Look at that. Oh, nice. Okay. And that's still rolling. That's still rolling. Okay, anyway, you were saying. With legacy. Um, right. So, like, if you didn't believe exactly as they taught, at least that's the way it felt to me, then... You were kind of like an outsider. You yeah. weren't you weren't completely um in it. And so like when I was I started going when I was 14 and I stopped going when I was maybe 19 1920. Um were you were you like dragged to church or were you like hey no. this this might be something that I want to get into? I went cuz my friend invited me. Okay. And it was a at first it was a place I would go to hang out with my friends. And then it became, like, my friends stopped going, and then I still really liked it. And then I got, and I got kind of, like, close to, like, the regular church-going people. yeah. And then I started, um, I, like, auditioned or whatever for their worship team, what they called it, like, the praise and worship band. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that, because I really liked to sing, and I really liked music, so that's, like that definitely like attracted me and then i started uh like volunteering and then i started um and then i got onto their like they called it their drama team which was essentially like the people who would put skits together and i got like really involved in that and then i got and then like later on i got involved in like the um i guess more production side of things like behind the scenes like uh like what would you call it? Just like the like um, producing, producing the um, like not the like sermon, slide but like chosen, yeah, yeah, everything that would the media like, side of things, yeah, media, um, and that was kind of like the end of my volunteering there. That's where I ended it, but um, yeah, just so many like there were a lot of good people there. I don't want it to come across as like all of these people were terrible, like. They don't mean anything to me. Like, I still think about a lot of those people often and how they had an impact on my life. But then I also think about the people who were in a position of power and how, like, there were so many young people there that it, that they had, they had such a strong um, impact on their life that, like, it could, it, a lot of times it felt like manipulation looking back at like what they had us doing. So like, and just like so strict about things and just like stifling any sort of like behavior that appeared that it was sin. So like we went on a trip and I sat next to my boyfriend at the time on the bus and I couldn't sit next to him because I was a girl and he was a boy and that's not right. How old were you? 16 and insane (laughs) and like they and because i was like in leadership and like is volunteering there they'll look more they'll look more closely at your life to like make sure that you're 
like not doing anything bad, right? So no, they'll I, ask they, you personal questions. You just like, gave me like flashbacks of military school, <laughs> oh, no. being a part of leadership. Oh no, I get it. Oh no, that term I get leadership. It. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, but yeah. I get it. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, so things like that. Like I would be asked very personal questions like, have you done this with your boyfriend? Or like, how no. far have you gone? Or like, have you had sex yet? Or like, N- who's are you asking doing you this? drugs? Just people, other people in leadership, like okay. people older older I, than me. I was going to say, let me rephrase that question. Are adults asking you this? Yes, adults. Oh, get yeah. fucked. Isn't that fucking, isn't that fucked up? Um, <laughs> borderline borderline um, illegal, depending yeah, on what absolutely. your structure is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, get fucked. And but then, like, anyway. Yeah, and like, don't even get me started on, like, putting people in a place, like, the the sermon or the message or the service, whatever you want to call it, is one thing. But once you get to, like, the praise and worship after that, people are in a very vulnerable position. They're emotional. They just listen to something that might bring up a lot of feelings about their life because the messages are very personal. And they right. make, they ma- there's... They're state- the most, like, generally personal thing that's said from a speaker's stand. Yeah, and it's someone that you, it's a person of authority on sta- on a stage talking to you, essentially making, like, judgment calls and, like, telling you this is what God says is right, this is what God says yeah. is wrong, mm-hmm. and you're, like, evaluating your life. Um, if, if you're taking it seriously, obviously there's going to be, be people there who are like, eh, I'm just here to come. But, like, if you're taking it seriously, like, it really makes you um, look at your life and think about what you're doing and whether God is viewing that as wrong or right. And if you if you are someone who believes that God is, like, a real entity that, like, created the universe and um, is, like, present in your life, like, that's a very heavy thing to deal with on a weekly basis. And you can get real judgmental about yourself and other people. Yeah. And so, like, um, and then... So that, and then, like, other people on top of that, like, checking in on you on a regular basis and trying to make sure you're not sinning. And then, like... Yeah. And then seeing people in leadership do even sketchier things, like, lie about their credentials or you hear that they, like... I don't know. There's so many, so many stories I heard about, like, people in leadership doing weird things. Well, so, you bring up a lot of good points. Um, One thing... Or I guess like one way I always thought about is I've never given a sermon and never preached a message and I don't ever plan on it. Mm-hmm. But growing up in church and as I've thought about that, where it's like, well, you're for the people that are actively engaged, these people that are actually here to either learn something or reflect on something or find some sort of um, uh, spiritual guidance, mm-hmm. you know, the way I always kind of saw it was, I mean, if you can notice, I'm very much into like comic books and shit. And mm-hmm. there's a uh, there's a quote from Stan Lee when he was still the chief editor of Marvel Comics with, and he was still making the books with uh, Ditko. And it's when they were about like 15 issues deep into Spider-Man, and they're already pretty into X-Men up at this time, and same with the Fantastic Four. And he was getting interviewed, and they asked him, like, what's your methodology? Like, how are these books so uh, famous? Like, how are they so, um, not only like widespread, but like people can relate to them. Mm-hmm. 
And he says, yes, you know, we put a lot of care into these characters and we put a lot of thought into like what they're doing, why they're doing it, the motives. We create a compelling villain for them to fight. Um, but at the end of the day, we make these stories reflect. He said he had two points. We make these stories reflect what's going on outside your window. The Marvel Universe is outside. You just have to look for it. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is we write every comic as if it's the reader's very first issue. And so I think about that last part, and it's like, well, there has to be an element of that whenever they're giving a sermon. Because mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it's their, it could be their first time in church. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's a very vulnerable spot to be in. Mm-hmm. Even as a Christian, I felt vulnerable in church. Yeah. You know, I felt, I felt out of place a lot of times, too, because I was just like, look, I, I believe, like, like I, especially like growing up, like I believe there's a God, and I believe in Jesus, and I believe that story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I don't. I never agreed with because like the Bible tells that like the only person that, um, or I guess only people that like knew God's word were those who walked with Him, those who were talked to by Him, and then obviously God Himself. Mm-hmm. So I just always found it funny that like. This is again. I grew up in a very Christian household, but like this is the one dude who's gonna tell me about God. He's my liaison to God. And then my mom, growing up, uh, she would deny it now. But my mom, growing up, she talked a lot of shit about Catholics mm-hmm. because like the Catholics had like their saints and they had um, a lot of other people they prayed to. Mm-hmm. How like it's no, you only go to the one person that gets you to God. And it's like, well, the Catholics have the Pope, and that's bullshit because there are no liaisons to God. And I was like, okay, well, who's this guy? Yeah, it's like just a different version. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, who's this guy and why am I listening to him? But then you also bring up, a, I mean, probably the greatest example you could bring up with like New Mexico churches, Calvary and Legacy. Calvary, what's so great about them is like, yes, they're a mega church. Yes, they make millions of dollars. And yes, Skip is very well off. Mm-hmm. But he's also like, like superbly educated. He knows what he's talking about. He's very well versed, and he can admit when he's wrong too, mm-hmm. which is nice. Like I don't know if I would consider it a podcast or like he had an internet radio show for the longest time. He would continue mm-hmm. through the pandemic. I listen to it every now and again, mm-hmm. and there were times where he would get corrected, or he, there were times where he would admit that he was wrong. That kind of like stuck with me, mm-hmm. you know. But he exactly like the way you, you're saying it's like a um, like a classroom. Like you're being taught something. He's going line by line and whatever he... Because he only sections off like half a chapter for a whole sermon and just dissects it like crazy, you know? Yeah, or like a paragraph sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and he just just dissects it, takes it apart to his absolute most bare bone, like the nuts and bolts. Mm -hmm. And what's... But the most important part of that is that there are zero politics attached to it right Mm -hmm. it's just what he's learned what god has told him what he believes that's what you're getting out of that Mm -hmm. legacy on the other hand literally telling people to vote for a specific he is injecting what because what's that motherfucker's name i keep forgetting his name every time uh, the senior pastor the dude who runs the whole show it's steve yeah Uh, steve and his son what's his last name Smotherman. Smotherman. Yes. Love that guy. Smotherman. Okay. Hard this, to forget. <laughs> yeah, this fucking guy. Um, so what I don't like about him, and now granted, I say this from a point of complete talking out of my ass because I've never actually been to Legacy. 
But from my friends that have gone and people that I know that have gone to Legacy, he is hyper Republican and he lets you know it. And I don't care what you are. Like I don't care if you're a liberal, if you're a conservative, if you're independent, if you're anarchist. I truly don't care. Mm-hmm. But you, because of, like you said, the vulnerability of religion, that is not the place to be injecting your own personal um, political views. Mm-hmm. And Smotherman was very openly... Um, because everything is, that's like probably the one, like the thing I hate the most about this country is how everything's politicized. He was very openly against vaccines, against masks and against, um, the, the governor and very much, um, on the more Republican side of things, like, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not all that happy with the mass stuff and the vaccines and this and the other either, but I'm not a pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm an idiot yeah. with a microphone. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not influencing lives here. So for him to do that and then not only just say like, oh, well, I do it. I believe this because it's personal liberty is a personal freedom. Like, no, he knows what that means when you say that. Mm-hmm. And then to also, 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 also openly support Donald Trump. It's like whether or not you like the guy, it doesn't matter. But you're doing it from the pulpit, dude. When you're talking shit about the governor, whether or not, because I know most of this state does not like Grisham. And for good reason, in my opinion. But don't do that from a preacher's podium. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely insane to me that you think that's even in like the ballpark of being okay. Mm -hmm. So it does not surprise me that they had these people like, I remember like even when I went to, uh, I went to Sagebrush. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to Sagebrush. I kind of flipped between that and Calvary when I was a little kid growing up. And... I remember going to Sagebrush and like being a part of like the youth group stuff and like having like the youth pastors, these hip, cool guys who like love God, but also yeah. they skateboard. You know what I mean? And they, uh, the affliction t-shirts. Oh <laughs> yeah. Flip-flops. Yep. Spiked hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, I remember they would kind of do like the same thing. Cause I remember like when I was in middle school, I had a, um, it wasn't as it wasn't as cool as a Motorola Sidekick, but it was just this little thing that like slid open like from the side, mm-hmm. and my mom had it super restricted down to I could text like fucking five to eight people or whatever it was. And, uh, but my youth my youth pastor had to be one of those people. Fucking oh my word, mm-hmm. and yeah, that would get like texts like throughout the week where it was like how are you how's like like a part of me is like maybe they were trying to do the right thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And like guide youth and like really keep them on the right path. But then like, because yeah. like my dude wasn't too weird. He was cool. He's like, hey, how you doing? Make sure you're doing okay. See you on Sunday. All right, fine. But I heard about other youth pastors. They were like, have you sinned today? Like legit. Like I remember, oh I remember like God. seeing those texts. Like, have you sinned today? <laughs> Not even like, a, hey, how are you? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's like, are you sinning? Uh, make sure you don't sin today. Make sure that you stay, say no to drugs and alcohol. Um, oh all God. this crazy was like, yeah, should fucking kids be doing that? No, not at all. But like that, mm-hmm. like forcing something upon someone never seems to be the right move. Yeah, definitely. I, so I really liked my youth pastor. He, um, it's just weird. Cause like at the time it was so, it was such a great experience to me. And then like in retrospect, I'm like, some of these things don't seem right. So it's like, it's kind of hard to try and remember what it felt like in the moment, but 
I think at the time, like, I, I do think that he was genuine in, like, his beliefs and his, like, desire to lead people closer to God. Um, but just, like, the way that it was done, like, and I don't know, there's so much pressure. Like, they've got to feel a lot of pressure being, like, a pastor. Or, oh, like, yeah. Someone getting up every week, talking in front of people and... um making like truth statements about the world and their lives and their eternity and their their like day-to-day lives like that's a lot so i'm not i'm not trying to like be disrespectful either but like that's just yeah i don't think that they should ever get political because that no that'll complicate things for sure and like like i don't think that like people pastors can have their opinions about like politics but i i don't think that it should ever like become a part of their sermon never no especially when it involves like um showing support towards like a specific person and yeah legacy was very big on that <laughs> i do remember i do remember a lot of that and and like the senior pastor making statements to like the media about like political issues. Like he was definitely like very, um, like anti-gay, like all of that. So, yeah. um, I don't know how it is now cause I haven't like followed that in years, but, um, I doubt it's changed. Yeah. And it's, like, it's hard to pull people out of that mindset who've been, I mean, cause like people like Smotherman, I mean, not to make a generalized statement or to make an assumption about somebody, but typically people like that have been in that mindset for their almost their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Like that's who they are, mm-hmm. for better or worse. Yeah, and it, and it's just like the hard part is that they expect you like if you if you're gonna call yourself a Christian, you better believe all these things, and if you don't, then like you're not a Christian. Cause like I started having, I started having a lot of doubt about whether, um, like God really, like if God was real, like, is he, does he really, um, want us to believe that like liking someone the same gender as you is wrong or like, there's just a list of things that I just started to really like consider for myself and i'm like i don't think that i want to like die on this hill anymore like i'm just a kid and i feel i still feel like i'm just a kid and i was like i just had a kind of like a big realization that i was just not willing to call myself a christian anymore because like i couldn't hold myself to these beliefs and so i started distancing myself from the church i stopped volunteering and of course people start to notice like they're starting to reach out to you and be like hey i've noticed you haven't like done this or like i noticed you stopped tithing like i was literally thinking like when did you get to bring up the tithing part when is <laughs> oh that coming up what's tithing giving 10 percent of your income uh, to the church yeah of course it has about that yeah that makes sense i was gonna join there was a point in time where i was gonna join a bible study 
because my like boyfriend's mom asked me to and i was like yeah sure like cool and i kind of like preferred like that smaller like yeah group like studying something so i was like yeah for sure but i was already kind of like starting to distance from the church like going to to services and stuff and she came up to me one day and she was like hey so like if you're gonna be a part of this group like one of the requirements is that you have to tithe and like so-and-so said that they haven't seen a tithe from you in <laughs> three months. And I was like, and... We do tell that sneaky Jew <laughs> to don't look at my fucking bank account, huh? <laughs> God! I know, I felt so, so violated. Like, I was just like, yeah, I mean, I'm, like, going to college, like, <laughs> and, like, no. working part-time. Like, no it's shit, really hard yeah. for me to like do that i can't put I, it's tough for me to put 10 percent away for a savings account bro right. yeah. yeah well because i remember like when i was a kid i would have like an like a very small allowance okay like something you don't really take either is there 10 percent to take you know what i mean mm-hmm. does jesus really want 50 cents yeah. and so like i remember like going to church on sundays my mom would ask like did you bring your tithe and i'm like i didn't have change for a dollar i'm sorry <laughs> like what the fuck do you want from me yeah it's a very um that's that's i mean they make so much money off of that it's ridiculous and like i remember hearing about um a it was a family that went to that church that i was very close with they were Mm -hmm. great people like they they would give the shirt off their back to their to the next person like they they were very involved and they loved people they loved they were always like talking to people i always saw them like out talking to different people and um one of them, I won't say who, like, their family member got in a car accident. And for two months or however long, they were, instead of tithing, they were giving that money to their family member. And this particular person happened to be in a place of leadership. And the church came to him and they were like, so you can't serve anymore because you haven't been tithing and you're in leadership. And so he wasn't allowed to volunteer volunteer (laughs) like and this is someone who is like a genuinely good person that i've known for years and like has been so good to me and so many other people and like the one time that he like like just couldn't do it financially because he was supporting someone else and not the church like those are the kinds of things that like started turning me off to the church like i would story after story like this i started hearing and i was like this isn't right like i don't want to be a part of this anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and like why wouldn't the church like that person obviously involved in the church like they wouldn't have any involvement like giving this person money you know what i mean they couldn't they couldn't see and and that's what i was talking about earlier like there are people who just misrepresent what christianity is about and that's a perfect example that is fucking yeah, absolutely. ugly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely. fucking ugly. Oh my gosh. And there's just like, there's so many stories of like, of that, like people in leadership doing something weird or sketchy and, and then, or like someone in leadership, like messing up in the church's eyes and then they just get like shunned or they're not allowed to do things anymore. And it's like, how are you going to keep going to this church after like, after you've been, um, like, reprimanded. Yeah. Like. Well, people, like, so they're, you, you bring up two 
examples of like very basic things that people have, right? Or have problems with. And the first one is positions of power, right? I mean, you, when you have a person or you have a group of people that run an organization and the organization has influence, whether it's on your block or it's in the city or in the state, whatever magnitude that's at, if they have the power, like people, most people anyway, deep down, they love wherever they're comfortable. They love being able to tell someone no because they then um, retain the power in whatever transaction of that relationship that is. Mm-hmm. So whoever it was telling your friend, hey, get fucked. You're giving your family member who got in a car accident money instead of giving it to this million-dollar organization. Because, again, if you want to break it down like that, that's what it is. Get fucked. And then so this person who did that, I'd imagine, whether it was that same day or the next week, turned around and preached God's word. Which is like, I'm not saying that people in the church have to be perfect because they're human. None of them. But when you're consciously making decisions where it's like, does that line up with what you're saying? Come on, man. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a pretty egregious statement. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like as people... You know, people think that, like, no matter what religion you're in, you have to be this perfect person, Mm -hmm. right? And they see, like, the one pastor that stubs his toe and he says, motherfucker, like, you know, (laughs) that goes viral, then he's done, you know? Like, that's that's the non-starter. That's the stuff that doesn't matter. Right, that doesn't matter at all. But then when you have stuff like that, that's absolutely ridiculous. And then you ask the question, well, why why would you ever want to go back to that? It's like, well, people need community, in my opinion, right? People need Mm -hmm. community. And when you're latched on something like that, so, like, there's an... If you're, I've never felt it personally, but I'd imagine because I've seen it with other people where like you get so attached to a church that your spirit, your soul, whatever you want to call it, gets so intimately intertwined mm-hmm. with that community and you feel that whether or not it's real, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's actually happening, whether or not these people actually like you, mm-hmm. if you feel that attachment. You know, there is, it, it does become an abusive relationship and it can be. Mm-hmm. And with places like Legacy, again, from an outsider looking in, whenever they have that holier than thou stance, especially in today's climate, where it's like, oh, we're not going to close down. We're not going to wear masks. No fucking vaccines. Fuck mm-hmm. Grisham. This is better. You know, and they, and they, and they die on that hill. It's like, fine. But then when you intermingle that uh, political stances with the religion, it doesn't surprise me that that trickle down um, mentality happens. And then like the subservants of that pastor have a holier than thou complex. Mm-hmm. You know, that's absolutely like, again, like it, it blows my mind. Cause it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. But on the other hand, it doesn't surprise me sadly because it's just, that lines up with everything I've heard from that church. Mm-hmm. Everything. God, that yeah. sucks. A lot of people have that same experience too. Like, a lot of my friends, like one of my best friends, the one that lives in Seattle, she also went there and we like grew up together there. Um, and yeah, there's just so many people that like were disenfranchised and like, that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Like they no longer, um, want to associate themselves with Christianity because of their experiences there and like part of it is like the the way that people operate and the way that people treat you there but the other other part of it is your like beliefs too so it's just like both of those together um 
so many people I know have left and like like a lot of people my age older than me like people that were like leaders there when I was younger have left all for the same reason so I don't know and they like it's almost like they try to warn you about that beforehand like (laughs) oh once you're in college once you're in college like beware there's going to be a lot of people that try to take you away from church. And it's like, no, I'm just like exposed to ideas that I was never exposed to before. And I'm thinking for myself now. Well, like, cause it's like, again, you know, to play devil's advocate and to, why is it bad, bad phrasing? Um, to be objective, yeah. <laughs> to be objective about the situation. Yeah. I mean, the world is not, especially today is not very aligned with Christianity. Yes. You, you are correct. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, no matter what religion it is, why would you only want, like, keep your beliefs, keep your moral threshold, and don't let that break. Fine. That's completely okay. Mm-hmm. You should have that. But why wouldn't you want to expose yourself to more things, build up your toolbox, be just and get more educated that way? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what, like what's, what kind of disservice is that? Like, I mean, that's, that was supposed to be the beauty behind the internet and we saw how well that went, but, um, yeah, keeping yourself in this echo chamber of where, you know, we're going to heaven because we don't like gay people and because we give money to this and we say these right things and we sing the right songs and we do the right dances and the, no, I'm sorry, the, they do the hand motions and, um, I, I, I was there, they do the hand motions. Um, and you would think that they would want you to go get other perspectives and be like, yeah, go ahead, go learn other stuff because this is the right way, right? Or like, this is our way and like, you yeah, know, go learn your other stuff. But like, you know, this is like, this is what we think, you know, you, you yeah. would think that they'd want you to like, go learn your other stuff and then be able to come back and be like, okay, I've learned everything or I've learned these other perspectives, but I still think this is correct you know yeah, what i mean like because now i'm a stronger that. christian exactly. like or i'm i'm stronger in my beliefs because i've looked at i've looked at the doubts and i've compared the two and i it all adds up well because like yeah, you should you should always have questions about anything yeah you know? well, yeah and a great i completely agree and a great example of that uh, a buddy of mine who goes to legion uh, his name's sean he used to work under skip for three years and he worked, and he worked in apologetics, and Ooh. he worked in apologetics. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when I had him on, he was like, "Yeah, my mindset was I wanted to be convinced out of Christianity, mm-hmm. and I couldn't be, not because of what I believe so strongly, but just because exactly that. I went out and I learned. He goes, I read the Book of Quran, I read the Book of Mormon, I the Book of Quran, I read the Quran, I read, the, I read the, I just, I just heard what I just it said. Made sense, it made sense to me. I was yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he read the Quran. He read the Book of Mormon. Um, he's read like Hindu texts, and he's he's gone through as much as he can. Yeah. And he's talked to because he runs a podcast now called The Christian Skeptic, mm-hmm. and he goes and he talks as many as much people as he can. And he's like, yeah, I just. I mean, I'm waiting to get proved wrong and to prove that Jesus isn't real and God's not real, but, like, it's just not there. And he, mm-hmm. like, that's another great example of, like, how ignorant I am. Just as, like, I need to read more than just comic books before I sit down with these people of higher thinking. Because, oh, yeah. holy shit, he took me to school. But yeah. um, I think it's just another prime example of, like, again, like, in my opinion, just kind of digesting what you've told me. 
I mean, you can feel the way you want to feel about the religion, you know, that's between you and whatever you believe in now or wherever you find yourself now. But like Mm -hmm. a lot of this is just symptoms of a horrible organization. Yeah. And it like, if, if you were to just study the Bible on your own and like not affiliate yourself with the church, like, I feel like that'd be a completely different experience. Experience. No, it would be. If you like apologetics, well, it would be a different experience from what you had for sure. Yeah. But, like, apologetics is really respectable because it's all about looking at Christianity under a microscope, essentially. Yeah, so like no, it's apologetics. Huh? What is apologetics? Basically, it's like, um, if, like, let's say I was the, I was in Sean's position. I was the guy teaching apologetics, and you came to me, and you were like, you want to ask a super broad question, just for argument's sake. And it's like, why... Why is Christianity um, correct and, um, like, uh, mo- what's it called? The Muslims, why are, why, are, why are the Muslims incorrect, right? They believe in Muhammad and that he's a true prophet to God and that Jesus was alive. He was just a good person, but he wasn't the son of God. It was Muhammad. Why are they correct? And then I would be able to regurgitate, here's why it's correct. Okay. Here's the evidence. And yes. the better educated you are, the more references and the more stuff that I have. So they just answer yeah. So your like disbeliefs about exactly disbeliefs. Oh, like, it's like you disbelief your conspiracies. Your um, uh, yeah, just like, disbelief. I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, it's like using literature and evidence yeah. to like combat the doubts against Christianity. Like C.S. Lewis was all about that, mm-hmm. and his actually, when whenever I read like a C, a book by C.S. Lewis, I felt closer to God than like anytime otherwise probably like he just had a way of explaining things that i think is very relatable to like the common person and he was very um he was very honest about like his doubts and his thoughts so uh well he's a reformed uh atheist like or or a converted atheist yeah but like in his like in some of his books even when he's like arguing for christianity or like his book, um, A Grief Observed, like about his wife dying. Like I'd love to sit you and Sean in a room together because he, <laughs> you are preaching the same exact thing that he was saying. That's so funny. I did listen to part of his podcast. Oh, okay, cool. I, I really appreciate like his honesty. Yeah. And like, it's nice to hear someone who's like actually involved um, talk about that stuff. But like, um. I I read a grief observed and it was like just such a raw like it was his it was essentially like his his like diary almost on his thoughts oh wow about like his wife dying and like his thoughts about God and stuff and like he was a Christian but he was still um he was he's just able to like express doubt but also like show his faith as well and like that's really hard to do I think um but I don't know. I think as I'm as I've gotten older, like when I first separated myself from the church, I was so resentful and like I wanted nothing to do with Christianity or God or like anyone that I knew from the church. And I was just so bitter and like now I feel like I'm coming back around to like believing in God. Like Yeah. I I would say that I believe in God. I just don't know if it's the Christian God. Right. That like the you church You acknowledge like a higher power. Yeah, for sure. Like I don't think that 
I think like all of this was created by someone. I just don't think that like the God that exists would say that like it's wrong to <laughs> love someone the same gender as you and like all of these things that I was supposed to believe at the church that I went to. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's nice to be in that place again where I'm like, I feel like I'm vulnerable to like so- something more than myself again. Like, it's like open to interpretation. Yeah, and, like, I'm starting to pray again, and, like, I don't know exactly who I'm praying to, but... It's, <laughs> it's an open letter. Yeah. Anyone who will listen... To, it's, to who, to who dude, it's listen. tough down here. We've got inflation. Yeah. Biden can't ride a bike. Like, it's, it's it's rough out here, bro. Help! I know. Oh, shit. <laughs> Did you say to whom it may concern? Yeah, to whom it may concern. <laughs> yeah, whoever's listening. Like, we down bad out here. Like. For real, for real. For On real, God. for real. <laughs> On God. Yeah, yeah. on you man like (laughs) please make it stop (laughs) no i just well well so and then it's it it became i mean i don't think it's ever not like a hot topic or like a current conversation in our politics i think it just ebbs and flows but it came up again we were kind of messaging about this earlier today um about like just personal liberties and we had that whole leak with roe v wade might getting overturned and it might getting shot back down to the states like, did you, did you think that was a part of like what turned you off from the church? It was like, they were very oppressive when it came to like what you do with yourself. Oh yeah, for sure. Like just the long list of like, you can't do this. You can't do this. And if you do do this, God sees it as sinful and you need to repent or like, you're not a Christian essentially. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, like I grew up maybe from like 14 to 18 with a lot of like I was just very careful about what I did like I never cussed like in high school people would always try to get me to cuss because they like knew I was a Christian and they were like oh it'd be so funny who did you hang out with oh my god I went, I went to a great high school but where'd like, you go just out of curiosity <laughs> Amy Bill where is that Oh, wait, you're uh, in Colorado. D- no, it's down the street, downtown Albuquerque. Oh, Fourth what? and Gold. Yeah. <laughs> Very liberal school. So I think that's like, it was cool to be in an environment like that that like really challenged my beliefs. And then it was exacerbated when I was in college by myself that's around all these people. But like, um, yeah, like I just, I just, there were so many things that I didn't do because I thought it was wrong. Like, I didn't have sex like at that age like i i didn't even want to like be alone with like a guy like and we were told like don't don't hug guys from the front be- so they won't be tempted like only only give <laughs> only sorry. give side I'm hugs i'm sorry that's <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm 100% serious. I know you are. <laughs> That's what makes it funny. <laughs> what the fuck? Because, well, like, I would hear yeah. shit like that because I went to a military school, right? So, oh. and, and so I had my friends back home, but they would tell me about, like, male and female friends. And, like, my female friends would tell me about how, like, in high school, like, they couldn't wear, like, spaghetti straps or they couldn't wear, yeah. like, tank tops or they couldn't. And, like, she tells me horror stories of, like, when she went to high school here in, in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... And, and seriously, the common denominator with all of these stories, it, different high schools, different all that shit, but like same like standard, right? It's like, mm-hmm. why did they put this on you guys? Like, what's the point? It's like to not tempt the boys. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, okay, I get it. They've got hormones and testosterone and all this crazy shit flowing through their bodies. I get mm-hmm. that. But like, 
What you think because you're gonna wear like these people think because women are gonna wear a tank top you're gonna go on like on a spree? Yeah. Like what the like, fuck? Be distracted from the sermon like looking over. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's the easiest thing to do is like control, um, like one, like control some of the people to not do something. So well, I mean, not not to, to be not to be a dick. You know, for a better word, is not to be a dick, but like a historically oppressed group. Like to keep yeah. that norm. Yeah. And it's ugly to say that, but like that's that there's patterns in history in organizations and mm-hmm. like especially in the West. I mean, uh, you know, just groups of people that have been historically, whether it's oppressed or regulated or kept in a certain, you know, like box, mm-hmm. organizations will continue to do that, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was a lot of that. Um, I mean, they they probably weren't asking the boys that those questions. No, yeah, I mean, mean, they would... Or telling telling dudes not... You know what I mean? With the guys, it was always like, don't watch porn. That's pretty much it. That's it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But with the girls, it was like, don't don't like show cleavage like be modest in the way that you dress like no skirts shorter than like two inches away from like your don't show your ankles yeah yeah don't show your ankles <laughs> have, you, have you ever um, seen uh scary movie three you ever yeah. watched that remember you see the porno mag and it's the girl lifting her skirt above the ankle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god yeah <laughs> like showing their collarbones <laughs> yeah um and I'm sure there was like there's like so many more things that they didn't want us to do that I just can't remember. But, um, and then like questioning leadership that was always bad. You could never yeah, don't ask questions. Well, I was gonna say yeah. in any organization. Rule, what, what is it? Rule uh, rule number one of Project Mayhem is you do not ask questions. Oh and yeah, that is a fucking, that's a straight cult that they have. So yeah, well, no rule number one is you don't talk about Fight Club. That's rule number one of Fight Club. Oh, but of Project Mayhem. Oh, right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But sorry to like sidetrack. But did you guys see about how China? I love talking about this because I hate China. How China changed the ending of Fight Club? Did you guys see that? No. In in like their own version of it. Yes. This was do some weird shit with movies. This was like six months ago. Six what? months ago, they changed the ending to a... Well, they came out in 97, right? 99? 99. 99? Okay. So, yeah. So, at, I'll try and... I'll, I'll find it real quick. So, at the end of the movie, it's like... um, It's the it's like a scene or two right before the buildings blow up. And Marla and the narrator, I guess... Well, I guess Tyler at that point... Are standing at the um, like at the skyscraper or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, China changes Fight Club ending. Yeah, this was like six months ago, eight months ago or so. Um, and so what they do is they show a they show a blue text, and I'll show it to you. Um, at the end of the movie, this is it literally they just show this and it cuts to black. Um. Through the clue provided by Tyler, the police rapidly figured out the whole plan and arrested all criminals, (laughs) successfully preventing the bomb from exploding. After the trial, Tyler was sent to a lunatic asylum, receiving psychological treatment. 
He was discharged from the hospital in 2012. Wow. What That's the fascism fuck? shit I've ever seen a dude. <laughs> it's okay. The government fixed the problem. The, the police yeah, solved like, it. Don't worry. Your police it. got it under yeah. control, bro. And, like, don't get any fucking ideas. Because <laughs> yeah. right. the cops will get you. Yeah, they will get, get you. <laughs> uh, yeah, check this out. Oh, hilarious. my God. What the fuck? Is this legit? Yeah, it's real. This is legit? Yeah, that's 100% real. That's terrifying. 100%. That was, like, six to eight months ago or so. They just changed the end to a 20... 20- year old movie 23 yeah they just randomly decided to pick that and i get it like you know you know there's a lot of that there's a lot of like fight club like have you heard about the whole sigma thing like sigma Sigma movement on social media my guy dude so so like Uh, there's a lot ryan gosling from drive absolutely he is literally me okay that's me yeah patrick bateman he is me oh Tyler Durden, that's me. Yeah, but so I can totally understand. <laughs> I can totally understand why China. They no. see these young people like, oh yeah, we're you know. I see them being like, oh, we got to get these people under control. Change the ending. To know? really, to really take this further down. Um, have you seen the set pictures of? Well, well, you saw that Ryan Gosling is Ken, right, in the new Barbie movie. Yeah. And you've seen like the internet response to that, yeah. how it's only dudes yeah. saying like, "Yeah, we're gonna go watch the Barbie movie." It's like intended audience, yeah. it's all chicks. Actual audience, it's, it's all like buff, like Sigma males. Or I saw that meme, but it was uh, Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. He's just sitting in the theater like this. Oh my god. <laughs> but no. Have you seen? Okay, this is the, I swear it's the last part I'll say about this. But have you seen the remake that Margot Robbie did of American Psycho? No. Was it American Psycho Two? No. Like Margot Robbie redid the whole opening scene with Patrick Bateman, where he's doing his morning routine. Huh? Have you not seen this? I seen it. Oh my gosh! Um, Wait, it's, is it still Patrick Bateman or is it like a female? No, it's it's, it's Margot, Margot Robbie doing it, but it's what? it's her like. Um, I'll show it to you guys when we get done here, but okay. it, it's, I'll link it to you. It's really good. And, um, I'll just show it to you. It's, okay. it's really fucking good. I'll show you a little bit of it. Um, cause I'm not really like about remakes. Um, there's very few remakes that actually make me happy. Yeah. Um, but like if they were to completely do redo American psycho, I want it to be Margot Robbie after this, because like makes her version of Harley Quinn, with this, mm-hmm. like oh she yeah she definitely has that like psycho ads. Oh. <laughs> that was an ad. <laughs> um, but yeah, they redid. I'll show you a little bit of this. They redid the opening, and it was for I don't know why they did it. To be honest, like Vogue magazine, but it was just that that clip. Yeah. So, and, and I'd be open to that, man. That'd be cool. Yeah. And like, here's the yeah, here's the part where she's peeling off the face mask. Oh yeah. 
How great is that? <laughs> Only an How- idea of a man. Damn, that's really cool. I always thought that like that movie would make a sick photo shoot, but like to have someone redo it like that is really cool. What's what's crazy about that movie that people don't know is that it's directed by a female. A woman. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's is an interesting. I don't know if I agree with it. For now, I don't. But there's a critique that I saw where because it's directed by a woman and because the men are like borderline cartoonish, mm-hmm. or they're borderline like uh, caricatures of themselves, mm-hmm. that it's really a feminist movie in disguise because it's showing how stupid men are and how like misogynistic men are. And it's just a poster movie for like oh, how shitty, I could totally see like for how shitty men are. I, I can see that totally because me and, me and Jamie were watching it. I don't know when were we watching that. But here's the deal. Ago, here's the deal. Like, like if what the it fuck is this? if it weren't for all the like brutally slaughtered women, I'd almost believe that. I think that I don't. I think it could still go like because you look at all of the men and they're just like they are caricatures. But then all of the women are like prim and proper. Yeah, or they're like victims. Yeah, and like they don't even have a chance. Like <clears throat> they're um, afterthoughts. Like they're just like part of the movie, right? Like yeah, but just all, for like the dudes to kind of like have their part with and then like it goes away yeah like all of the men are kind of like playing a playing a role it's like they're they're wanting to be perceived a certain way but that one woman that he like has an affair with she's just like she's just like drugged up i was gonna say she's drugged out of her mind the entire time so she doesn't really care and then like the other women all just get killed so like all of the men are it's like they're trying to put out this persona and like have people believe that they're like this certain type of person like when he when they're in that restaurant and he goes off about all of the political issues and he's like, "Well, we need to end apartheid for one." And like, yeah. <laughs> like it's just so it's just such bullshit. I think all of ridiculous. I think the point of the movie was just to show that everyone's kind of full of shit. Or like, yeah. Especially those like they're obviously like Wall Street like brokers or whatever the fuck they are. Yeah, they're all investment know. bankers. Yeah, they're yeah. all just like and they're all just kind of full of shit. <laughs> like and yeah. full of themselves for sure, but. What was so cool about that movie being made, though, is the scene with um, the initial scene with Willem Dafoe and Christian Bale, and they're yeah. sitting, and he's like, invest, or he's like, asking him questions about um, about Paul Allen, about like where he's been, what he does, all this stuff. They actually filmed that scene three different times. Oh yeah, yeah. we were just did you, did you know about that? Watching that, yeah, yeah. like. Yeah, and he was like coming at him like as in different ways. Yeah, so like, there's he one was suspecting. Yeah, there's one way where he's like he's suspecting it, one way where he doesn't know, and then one way where he believes he didn't do it. And then in the editing room, they spliced it all together to yeah. keep it ambiguous. And it gives you like a weird, uneasy feeling when you watch it because you have no idea what the fuck. And Willem Dafoe is such a good actor that you he's have no so idea yeah. what the hell he's like. I thought it was all one shot. I was like, why is he like? It just comes off so many different ways, you know. Mm-hmm. and his facial expressions and the way he asks things is like you have no idea what he's trying to get at from or what he what information he's actually trying to get out of patrick bateman have you read the book mm-hmm. i no. have not it is so i haven't read it before i say this i have not read the book but a couple nights ago her and i went out we got dinner and we were at coronado mm-hmm. so we went over to barnes and noble we shopped for a bit and one of the books that well the book that she bought was american psycho because she loves that movie too Ooh. and but i was like flipping through it and I just like randomly flipped through a page and it was the scene where he's got the camera set up for the three way. 
Mm-hmm. And the three-way goes pretty ugly anyway, mm-hmm. right? But in the book, he's talking about like slicing up femurs and like sta- and like nail gunning a dildo to the girls. And yeah, what oh, it is fuck? like hyper violent. Yeah, hyper violent. And about yeah, taking like taking like thin razor blades to like down there and to, like, oh. to their and like to their tendons and like it's so whenever she's done with it. I'll move on to it, but like, yeah. it's crazy. And have you seen the sequel, American no. Psycho Two? We watched. We I think we watched some of it because it came on like a replay, like it was just on a loop, and mm. it came on, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" I saw American Psycho Two. I was like, "What the fuck?" And it, I yeah. forget who the actress was. Mila was, Kunis. Mila Kunis. Yeah. So it was, opens up. It opens up with Mila Kunis's mom. Mom? Yeah, I think it's her mom, like her babysitter. Okay. The the womanly figure in her life, and Milo Kunis's character as a kid, um, is dating Patrick Bateman. And Patrick Bateman's over for dinner. Mm-hmm. And of course it's not Christian Bale. Yeah. Right? Every time they show Patrick Bateman, it's some dude from like and it's from like behind and the guy's wearing the mask, right? Okay. It's like have like the haircut and like the side profile. Mm-hmm. And so it's like he's over for dinner and then it switches, like it like cuts to black, opens back up, and they're all tied up. And um he like bends over to like kill the woman somehow. And this little girl magically breaks free out of her rope and stabs Patrick Bateman to death. And then that's how American psycho two starts. And then as it carries on, it gets so much worse. So So as it carries on, I watched this like at three in the morning and I was like 12 years old, 12 or 13 years old. So I had had like my Xbox 360 and then I had uh, Netflix Mm -hmm. and this when Netflix was like just getting into streaming so they they had like any movie they could get right on their platform. Oh right. And so, uh, Mila Kunis's character, she grows up. She's in college, and she becomes obsessed with her professor, played by William Shatner. Nice. And, uh. and so bad. And she feels the um. How did they describe it? She felt like the intuition of Patrick Bateman like flow through her. And so she starts killing people at her university, building up to where she ties up William Shatner the same way that Bateman tied up like her mom or her babysitter or whoever it was and her. And it's so bad. It is. I kind of want to watch it. No, (laughs) don't. I beg you not to. Like it is. It sounds like uh, like I love Mila Kunis too. Like she, I actually met her when I was a kid. What? Uh, Yeah, I I met her at Comic Con. Oh. Um, she was, she was at a panel for family guy. Okay. Um, yeah, real. I mean, I was like fucking, that was in 2009. I was born. So I was 12 years old. So mm-hmm. she was nice to a 12 year old. So that's cool. But, um, no, it's so bad. It is so bad. It sounds like the, like the Rambo situation where they kind of sold the rights of like first blood to make just horrible movies. Have like, you guys seen mm-hmm. the last Rambo? Like the I newer dude. one, I refuse to watch any. I, I love First Blood. The first movie is great. But if you I have any, if you have movies. any, we have, we'll, we'll end the podcast here. If you have any Mexican friends that you care about, do not watch the new Rambo. <laughs> it is so bad. It is so racist, and that's really? like coming from like, like I'm a pretty liberal dude. Like when it comes like socially speaking, uh-huh. you know, I, I I interpret like art. Whatever it is, like movies, music, podcasts, TV shows, whatever it is, I, I look at it, I take it for what it is, and I kind of like ingest it that way, right? And I, I'm not very easily offended. I'm not, and the movie didn't offend me, mm-hmm. 
But I remember I went to watch the movie because I, I have this weird thing. Like, I like watching movies alone. Mm-hmm. So I went to the theater and watched it. And I remember sitting there and thinking, like, 20 minutes into it, whoever wrote this movie hates Mexicans. Hates them. Really? With a fiery passion. What is this, Last Blood? Uh, yeah, Last, last blood. blood. So the whole plot of the movie is Rambo's niece. Ne- yeah, niece gets kidnapped in Mexico. I guess she gets in a fight with her mom, who's Rambo's sister. Yeah. And then she's like, fuck this. I'm going to go party with my friends in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so she goes down to Mexico, and we meet her first Mexican friend, right? This, like, person she's supposed to be close with and very friendly. Mm -hmm. She is the most generic, like, they've got her dressed up with, like, eyeliner that, like, goes all the way out here. giant eyebrows these huge like hoop earrings and she talks like this like hi chica how are you doing oh my god (laughs) you're so skinny bitch (laughs) like like she's talking like that right yeah Yeah. she invites her in and she comes into the house and of course because all mexicans are poor um she lives in this fucking shack Right, yeah. like this real shitty building, mm-hmm. no air conditioning. It's, I mean, of course, it's super colorful on the outside, but on the inside, it's like super. It's horrible, like run down, right? And she goes, "Hey, chica, you want a drink?" And she goes, "Uh, yeah, sure." And she goes, she pulls out two Coronas, <laughs> and she fucking breaks open the, um, like busts open the cap on a table and chugs the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like in one shot, you chugs the whole thing. Just shotguns it. Yeah, mm-hmm. shotguns the whole thing. And she goes, "Hey, you want yours?" And she's like, "Yeah, sure." And every girl, like every Mexican girl in that movie, is dressed exactly like her. Oh. They all talk that way. They all look that way. It's ridiculous. Every Mexican dude has got jean shorts that start right above their dick root, and they've got their fucking whitey tighties all the way up, and they've got their wife beaters. Uh, and they all they all walk like this, and they talk like this, and they've got their their guns. It's it's so dumb, like and like in the way they're written, they're written like they're talking like they're five year olds, like it's legitimately embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if it's a product of like a bad script, or yeah. just they really wanted to up that stereotype. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like That's maybe disappointing, they... man, because I love Stallone. So know? if you want to watch it, watch like. The last, like, the uncut version, like, the director's cut. Because Stallone apparently hated the way it was made. So he went back and cut his own version of it. I'm sure it's just as shitty. I'm sure it is. But, like, the last 20 minutes, it becomes Home Alone Rambo, though. It's dope. Because, like, he's got... Because what he does, spoilers, is he, he rescues his niece. And he takes her back to America. But the cartels are like, fuck that. Because she gets sold into prostitution. Um, and they're like, fuck that. We're going to go take, we're going to get our prostitute back. That's our money. So they go, they magically make it across the border. Right. And Stallone has got this ranch and then underground, it's this whole like interconnected like tunnel system and it's a compound. And there's this cool little like montage, like right out of Rocky four, instead of training, he's just setting up traps. And the last 20 minutes, it's just all these traps going off. Like it's like it's like some Indiana Jones style stuff. Like you've got spice Damn. coming out of the walls. You've got turds popping up. He uh, like there's a sequence where he's cut out. Like there's a wall and he cut out the top and he cut out the bottom 
and like he shoves his shotgun under, blows the dude's uh, feet out from under him, and as he's falling, he puts it in the middle and blows his head off. It's beyond violent. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I know. Yeah. You probably love that. Oh, no. It's great. But, like, yeah, if you have any Mexican friends, don't watch it. It's not It's not good to Mexicans. Yeah. It's very bad. Um, I do, I do want to end, like, talk. I, I love fucking talking about movies. Um, what, what do you find yourself watching on a normal basis? Um, it's been really hard to find, like, a show that I can get into. I just recently started watching Ozark. But... Good I choice. just I just love like mystery, crime, conspiracy. I guess that's those are like the three big themes. Um or in horror, but like I haven't watched a good horror movie in years. Like the last one that I saw was probably Insidious. And I know a lot of people hate that movie, but like I thought I, it had me until Darth Maul started playing the piano. <laughs> And I was like, ah, James Wan, you you kind of lost me here, bud. Yeah, some some of the Insidious movies are better than others, but um, I just haven't seen a good horror movie in years, and that's why I really start. I really liked when uh, what is that comedian's name that started Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele when he started making movies because it was like a completely different twist on horror movies, and um. I love, like, all of the movies that he's made, and those are probably, like, the most recent ones I've seen that I'm like, okay, this is something new. But other than that, like, we watch a lot of the same old movies that we love. Like, <sighs> Yeah, I forced her to watch a lot of, a lot of old. Like, we watched Back to the Future lately. And, uh, but we watch American Psycho a lot. American we watch, Psycho. Like, I love, you know, I love Lost Boys, like... I don't. I don't get it. I know. And I'm. And I. And I hope she doesn't hear this because she loves the Lost Boys and she oh. knows how I. She knows how I feel about it. I just. I don't get it. Yeah. I think your pendant is fucking cool, by the way. Thanks. Um. I think that's sweet, but like, I. I don't get it. Like, the yeah. soundtrack is killer. Yeah. And I think it's fun when they go in the comic book store because I'm biased. But like. Oh uh, right. Yeah. Other than that, I'm just like. Like when these vampires can start sucking each other off. Like this is all gay. Like this is all so gay. Yeah, I think a lot of people dislike vampires in general, but like also. Oh, I love, I love like. Well, you, you think that's gay, dude? Watch the uh, what's that other one with the vampire? Is it Vampire Diaries? What's the one with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt? Interview oh, with a vampire. Interview with a vampire. No, I love. I I've heard nothing but amazing things about that. I haven't yeah. seen it. I watched. I watched it. I, I wasn't. I wasn't blown away. They're by like it, a, a lot of people say that they were like lovers and like, but they were also living in a different time and like acted differently too. And then on top of that, they were vampires. So like, I think vampires tend to be like more feminine than like well, well, people I mean, that, like. Well, that goes but, all the way back to um, because every vampire like with the exception of like maybe like the hyper violent ones like maybe like mm -hmm. Daybreakers or Thirty Days a Night stuff like that. Yeah. Most vampire movies, even the the travesty that was Twilight, right? All of that, they try to imitate Bela Lugosi from Dracula in the 30s. Mm -hmm. And have you seen the original Dracula with Bela Lugosi? I have not. Black and white? Not Watch it. it yeah. Like that whole old school universal monsters like uh, mm -hmm. Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy, um, Wolfman, mm -hmm. like... It's Bela Lugosi as Dracula, Boris Karloff as the mummy, or as Frankenstein. Like, that is legitimately good movies. Like, mm -hmm. fantastic films. Mm -hmm. But, like, with Bela Lugosi, what was 
so fucking crazy about him. He's just a, he was an Italian actor mm-hmm. that came to the States and he was pretty much exclusively a stage actor and he was bisexual. Mm-hmm. So he was fucking everybody on that set. Like okay. he was just this sexual fucking prowess that didn't stop. Right? Yeah. And when he got him, mean, he gets on camera and he's talking about like, the creatures of the night and he's talking about, Oh no, they called to me and they fucking, he's got this <laughs> fucking presence, man. Yeah. It's so good. But like if you watch his performance in that movie, you will see every other vampire movie so differently. Well, it makes sense because <clears throat> vampires are like seductive. Yes. And they seduce their victims into thinking that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So watch him in that and then look and then like every time you watch another vampire movie, like think about the other ones that you like. They're all trying to either imitate they either imitate or they if they're good, they they take a lot of inspiration from okay. what he did in that movie. So like David and Lost Boys when he's like, Come on, Michael. Pretty Michael. much. Pretty yeah, much. It's seductive, like whatever the fuck. Yeah. You're eating maggots, Michael. Yeah, every every word that comes out of his mouth sounds like he's trying to seduce this guy to like become a vampire. And that is all because of <laughs> Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Damn. I've seen like I've seen like Frankenstein and um, most of the other ones, but yeah, I've never, I've never read Dracula either. Neither have um, I. I've so. never read the story of Dracula. I've only seen like the movie, and then I watched when I was a kid. I watched Dracula two thousand, but like Gerard Butler, which was uh, I wait. don't, I don't have great thoughts about oh, that. Jamie loves Gerard Butler. Wait a second. <laughs> you didn't know that? No. Yeah, he plays Dracula in what? Dracula two thousand. That seems so. That was before Weird. he got, like, jacked for 300 and stuff. Yeah, that was oh, when he was like, still doing, was like, rom coms and shit. Yeah. Okay, before he okay. became Leonidas for Zack Snyder. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's that's where I would start with that, for sure. Um, okay. have Any you shows you show? Recommend? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so, right now, what we're going to watch tonight is The Boys. I have seen the first season of that. Watch the rest of it. Yeah. It is legitimately, like, I don't know how much you guys keep up with superhero, like, media Mm -hmm. um but a lot of it like the guy who's the showrunner for the boys is the same showrunner who did supernatural um he's he's pretty talented and he has a great respect for Zack snyder Mm -hmm. and for what he's done with like man of steel and bvs and what ended up being like the snyder cut um so there's a lot of callbacks to like that version of dc comics and there's also a lot of like because it's it's a uh it's like a black mirror to superheroes Mm -hmm. so like the superheroes as we know them it's like what if the as you it's like what if like the good people got powers Mm -hmm. right those are the heroes but as you've seen that first season of the boys it's like what if the bad people what if what if normal people got powers what happens and you get someone like homelander or and then you for every homelander there's a butcher Mm -hmm. right and so um, as you continue in the series, there's a lot of stuff that parody, um, like Zack Snyder's interpretation, like pay respect to it. A lot of parodies for like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and then as like season three has been fucking wild so far. It just came out, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's going right now. Okay. It's been fucking wild. Like they did, like the open, one of the opening scenes for season three was they used a parody of Ant-Man. Uh, his name's Termite. Oh, and it's—I don't want to spoil it, but it's fucking disgusting. Mm. Like, if you could think of a sexual way that Ant Man would use his powers to go oh. real small, 
That's how he was supposed to defeat Thanos, and I was so upset that they didn't do that. That's exactly right up his ass, and then fucking expand and just blow him up. That's what. That's what I was expecting out of. So there. So the scene in the show, the scene (laughs) in the show is they're going to catch termite, right? Butcher and all his buddies, the boys, right? They're gonna go. They're gonna go catch termite, and termite and his boyfriend, they're about to have sex, and his boyfriend goes, "I want you inside me," and termite goes small, and he jumps into his urethra. And but he's but they've been doing blow, and so he's like, like trying to hold in a sneeze, does it again, and then he sneezes and he fucking expands, oh, and all no. this gore and viscera goes everywhere, and you see like a top part of the dude. It's it's disgusting. Uh. It is fucking disgusting, but it's hilarious. Because oh <laughs> like God. the camera, oh, you see like a full dick, and like the little dude's running like jumps into it. Damn. <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah. it's good. It's a good show. No, but it's good. Like, and it, it, um, as much as it makes fun of superheroes, it does do like a good commentary on like political <laughs> stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the boys is really good. Obi Wan has been a major disappointment, in my opinion. Really? It's been trash, absolute garbage. We're, we're not big Star Wars people, but I actually did want to watch that show. Apparently, the finale was dope. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you're on the right track with those. Well, I know you're on the right track with those. Arc. Um, I hated how it ended, but I know also know people who loved it. I yeah, I've heard some people say that my mom. But um, a lot of the really good shows end terribly, so it's like you had except all for these... Breaking Bad. It's the only one. <sighs> that one was still. I don't know. I just like Jesse went through so much, and I. I don't. I can't think of a way that I would have wanted it to end. So I guess I'll take it. You know, are, are you, you know the worst ending I think was Sons of Anarchy. I hated that ending. I I never watched the, the full show, but I know how it ends. I think that's pretty silly that he just drives into a semi. Ah, it's yeah. the worst, dude. It was the worst. I hated it. But are you counting El Camino when you say the Breaking Bad ending? Because I haven't seen El Camino. Yeah, that kind of, it sucked. It wasn't like, Ugh. they had so much, they they built it up so much and it just wasn't what I expected, which like, if something is as good as Breaking Bad, the likelihood that they're going to make something else that's just as good is... What's well, lightning in a bottle? Yeah. How but good that show was. A lot of people are saying, which I haven't seen Better Call Better Call Saul. Saul. And a lot of people say that it's just as good, but it's like a different, it's about a different... It's a different story, so like. Well, it's a prequel that leads up to Breaking Bad. Because in this next, in this mm-hmm. last season, Brian Cranston is going to show up at some point. Oh, really? Yeah, they confirmed okay. it. At some point, him and Jesse Pinkman are going to show up. Would you want to watch that? But, absolutely. But okay. that's absolutely. also eight seasons deep. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do with that information. We're not, we're not good with shows at all. We really aren't. We are not. It's like movies are a thing, but. Um, the boys was really cool because I'd never seen anything like that. Like the superheroes were always like these clean cut people that just like they were like born with superpowers and like and once they once I saw something where it was like oh you could like inject this thing or you could be given this thing that gives you superpowers and then like all of the corruption and like it politics gets so of much it. worse in I'm season like, two yeah i'm like oh this is how it would actually be yeah. if people had super ha- powers not like how it is in the movie it's like what if like, Di- what if disney actually owned captain america and yeah. iron man and all these people i mean i get that mm-hmm. the sev is more based off of justice league 
like what if what if Disney was a company that owned the Justice League? What if they owned Superman? Yeah, you know, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you like animation? Not really. Not really. Okay, because mm-hmm. if you like the twist on superheroes, Invincible is really good. Okay, is Invin- that a show? Yeah, it's a show on Amazon. It's okay. it's the same concept. It's what if superheroes were like in the real world? What would happen? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to spoil it because like the big thing happens in the first episode. But it's I, I first watched it and I was like, wow, this is gay as shit. And I just put it off for a year, mm-hmm. and then I heard how great it was. Me and her sat down and watched, it and we were blown away. We literally okay. just had we literally just had to finish the first episode, but we couldn't get fifteen minutes past it because we're just nerds and we're like, eh, this isn't that great, but it's good. Okay. It's it does like and there's only eight oh. episodes. Yeah, I mean, I really liked Rick and Morty. That's about as like animated as I guess I would get. Okay, well, if you like the mature humor, you'll like Invincible. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot out there. <laughs> cool. Yeah, there's a lot out there. Um, but best of luck next week thank you on your meet thanks keep me updated i will <laughs> very excited for you that's awesome thank you and um i think it's dope that the gym just organically put a team together of so many people so many women and you can go out there yeah. and represent it's awesome yeah it's really inspiring hopefully we can do it again um is there like a support link or like anything out there that people can look at for you guys' team to show some love <laughs> anything like that um they did make an instagram it's called iron soul which so like the gym is Iron Soul so yeah. because it's a bunch of women they called it Iron Soul Baddies okay and that's on just on Instagram so okay. um but yeah I'm sure like once the meet starts there's gonna be some type of link where like people can watch live awesome which can be hard because like there's different flights of people and like if you're trying to watch someone specific it can just be kind of hard but it'll be there I'm sure <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited for you. Seriously. It's going to be dope. Thanks. Thanks for having me on here. Oh, thanks yeah, for coming. This is awesome. awesome. I love doing this and I love talking to everybody. This is, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. I knew I knew it would be, but this is a lot of fun. And thank you for coming as well. It was oh, good. Yeah, for sure. It was good meeting you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you guys for listening and watching. And we'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.